Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service. The year is 1973, and I've never washed the legs of a woman, but I've done a horse. But that's a different podcast. The movie, The Three Musketeers. And then the year is 1974, and I reek of England and Calvinism. But again, that's a different podcast. The movie, The Four Musketeers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unspooled. I am Paul Shear, and every week I am joined by Amy Nicholson as we endeavor to find the 100 best movies of all time. And when we do, we are going to shoot them into space. Why? Because we want the aliens to enjoy some great, great movies. And today is no exception. Actually, today is an exception because we are doing something that we've never done on Unspooled. We are bringing on a guest. That's right, a guest to the actual regular format of our show. We've never done that before. We've brought on special guests to talk about their favorite movies, but we have brought on two guests today. And we're not even going to be broadcasting from our headquarters. We're going to go to their headquarters. That's right. We are going to be live from the Video Archive headquarters located in Quentin Tarantino's home where he has the entire video cassette collection of the video store that he and Roger Avery worked for before they became giant screenwriters, directors, and just uh, bon vivants. Anyway, uh, we had a great time sitting down with both of them uh, to celebrate their brand new podcast. We decided that we would kind of merge our show with theirs. It's kind of like one of those crossover episodes when uh, friends would have a blackout and then everybody on uh, Veronica's Closet would have a blackout. I mean, we all love Veronica's Closet. And then there's another show called Friends that people also liked, right? Or am I misremembering that? Anyway, 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode because I think it is a perfect distillation of our show and their show. And I really can't tell you that much more because Quentin promised me that I would not do an intro behind his back. But suffice it to say, Quentin Tarantino, Roger Avery, legends, and we are happy to have them on the show. But take a listen. Amy, we are live in the video archive room, our first ever uh episode out of the studio we are here where uh quentin and roger record their podcast the video archive and i have to say quentin roger this this room is amazing to me (laughs) (laughs) like this is this is the dream that i always wanted my room to be which is i made a little video store in my room i worked in a video (laughs) store and i had walls i would steal like little standees when i was a little kid the video store i went to they gave me uh a small axle Foley, uh, like those, cardboard, those stand, stand, yeah, yeah, those oh, yeah. like, uh-huh. but only about like 13 inches. And it says, you know, take home 1987's comedy action hit. And, I, yeah. and that was the centerpiece of my, my video wall. And it went like three rows deep. And this is, this is, I mean, you have sections here. Yeah. Video well, tips. no, it's uh, yeah. Well, okay. I am not running away from <laughs> the bigness of it all. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> but it's more by, happenstance and accident than, you know, Charles Foster Kane. I'm going to create the greatest video star <laughs> in the world on the top of the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> yeah, you and got- you don't must know me to be a member. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. onlyest video star in the world. There, is no, there are no cash <laughs> registers in here. Yeah, There's exactly. nothing like that. I know uh, Barbara Streisand has created a mall in her house and yeah. there are cash registers. This is a very... Is a, a very San a- Simeon video star. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to get a membership card yeah, to be in here. But well, anyway, I don't know. I don't you're, you're going oh, to have right. to. We just have, Do you have a laminated, yeah. right, but we, you got to pay for a whole okay. year in advance. Yeah. We got to get a laminating right. machine. Season pass. Season but pass all these videotapes <laughs> bring me back so much. And I was, we were talking. I was talking to Roger before, like this idea of these, like CBS. Bruce Lee movies, if you got all of them, the, the oh, yeah, sides yeah. of the boxes would create oh, yeah, like a they big have the, dragon. Yeah, the, the dragon. dragon yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But Amy, did you like uh, did you fetishize like VHS cover boxes and VHS stuff? I don't think nearly the same way that the three of you did. You were more reasonable. <laughs> I was I was reasonable. <laughs> the core of my collection when I was a kid was just hair metal videos that I taped off of MTV. Mm-hmm. I had just like a huge compendium of hair metal videos that I would watch like over and over and over. Oh, again. that you taped yourself? That I taped myself. Oh, like yeah. I would spend hours just recording things on VHS, but I know that the kind <laughs> Like, what's your favorite thing. hair metal band? Like, like. But what's what? your ha- favorite hair metal? Okay, answer that, and then what? What's your favorite hair metal video from that era? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Well, Is, like White Snake or. I Let's was, answer. I don't know. I feel like just, I'm excited. <laughs> I was a Warrant girl. I was really, Warrant. really big into Warrant. I didn't know what Cherry Pie was about. Uh huh. And so I just sang that song all the time. And I just thought it was really cool. Wait, was Cherry Pie? I didn't understand. Was that the uh, Sam Kinison video where he was rolling around with Tawny Katane on like a big uh, trampoline? Yeah, Yeah, that's it. uh, Cherry Pie was the one where Janie Lane, the singer of Warrant, his future wife, Bobby Brown, uh, who won Star Shirt, Star Uh, Search, American Star Search. She was the model. Yeah, he was spraying her with hoses and she was just walking around with big cherries. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that time period. Um, Okay, but what's your favorite video of, of that genre era? Well, it's weird. I think when I was a child, I thought that like music videos like the Aerosmith one for Janie's Got a Gun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was like, big for me. It was like intro to cinema for well, me when it was I was like a child. Because... Alicia Silverstone. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, it felt like crazy. a big deal. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, this one is like, oh, uh, right. yeah, this one is the one where like a girl kills her dad. And so it's all yeah. like dark and moody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you told me it was directed by David Fincher, I'd probably believe you. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it actually might have been. It just had that kind of style. And I was like, this is what art looks like. So I, mm-hmm. a lot of my foundational 
memories come from MTV. I love it. Uh, and on your podcast, Roger and Quentin, like what you normally do is you pick two movies that might three, be actually so we, two, only get, we only yeah. got two in the in the opening episode all okay, right but then yeah. we got our shit together so <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and then we have three can but, i say but shit the, yeah, yeah you can say okay, shit okay, okay. But, but i was gonna say like but, but the two movies are more popular and the third is a little bit more yeah. of a an out of the box one right yeah and the idea can the idea is the thing is um Oh, by the way, I just want to say that we're all sister shows. We're yes, you know, yeah, sister yeah. shows with Josh. Our, yes, our, our producer. Our producer. Right. We're all producer. children of the earwolf. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. yeah. So this is sort of like like when Maude showed up on All in the Family. This is a, yeah, this and then all of a sudden, like, episode, then all of a sudden you're next to Maude had her show. <laughs> so this is sort of like a crossover yeah, episode. Is, I love it. All right. You I, guys actually came. You know, we came this, to you. Part one takes place at our studio. <laughs> and then part two, okay, we go to Hawaii. All right. Well, we got it. We got to Roger's laser disc factory. Right. Now, yeah, we got to, yeah, we sit among the laser discs. Uh, Peter and the tarantula. All right, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you pick two. Yeah, so the way we pick a, uh, we, uh, we pick a, a three movies, and two of them, as obscure as they are, they're still right. vaguely in a lexicon if you're plugged into cinema yeah. of the last 30, you know, from the 60s on. Um, but the third one is meant to be. Uh, like a really obscure exploitation movie or a, uh, or a fairly obscure, for most people, most Americans anyway, a foreign film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the uh, you know, the kind of idea was, one, there's some of these uh, that are cool that I w- wouldn't mind letting the audience know about, but I'm not really here to recommend movies. I'm here to watch them and then talk right. about them and we'll see what happens, all right? Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, but some of them is like, oh, you know, I've always kind of wanted to see that. That kind of, I don't know if it's going to be any good, but kind of the cool box kind of yeah. looks cool. So I've got a show now that we can watch it and we can see what uh, we can see what we think about them. But the idea, though, is that third video was sort of like that was kind of how you rented films. You went out to and you, you OK, I got this one that I wanted. OK, I got. Oh, OK, I couldn't get this one. I couldn't get this one. Oh, but this looks interesting. Oh, OK. Judge Reinhold's in this. OK, OK. <laughs> all right. Vice uh, versa. Uh, here we come. Right. Yeah, that's okay, the selling oh, point. Judge, yeah. Reinhold, Judge Reinhold and Terry Gar. OK, I can see this. All right. All right. <laughs> And, uh, and then the third one was some weird, random right. uh, yeah. I'll, expo- take, I'll uh, take horror, a chance. Horror take film a chance you've never it. heard of, or yeah. Revenge of Matic you never heard yeah. of, or some sexy movie you've never heard of, and you just take it home and give it a shot. How do you guys decide what to watch between the two of you, though? That well, seems like, it, like going to a video store, mm-hmm. like, you know, hey, uh, we're going to watch some movies this weekend. Mm-hmm. Usually there's a Roger film thrown in there, or Quentin, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, Quentin will mm-hmm. agree to a Roger film yeah. every well, now and then. Since I yeah. have <laughs> access to the collection, since right. it's in my house. <laughs> And this was my idea. <laughs> I curate the films. <laughs> I don't have that kind of control with my wife, but I have that control with Roger. <laughs> yeah, having, having said that, you've been pretty good. You've been yeah, pretty good. Well, if no, you don't think it's a, like no, a Roger no, I, I movie, try, yeah. you'll pick a Roger movie. No, no, I try to. I, like I, Starstruck, I know will be in there eventually. Yeah, exactly. And I try, to, I try to come up with a Roger. I have, uh, try to have at least one movie is right. a Roger title. All right. It, you know, and it doesn't have to be a movie that, I don't, I mean, that doesn't mean a movie Roger likes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. It doesn't mean a movie Roger likes. It means a movie Roger would be interested in. Yeah. He doesn't even have to know about the movie. All right. right? But, 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 but I know him. Thing. Yeah. You are, you are the video well, tender. You're giving it. Anything yeah. science fiction is fair game. All right. Horror it, it, science fiction is good. Yeah. Or, if there's a spaceship in it, I, we don't I'm have to. Good. No right. one has we to know, co-sign okay, on. Dark That's Star, a Roger title. Yes, Dark great. Star is a Roger film. And that was such a great, uh, yeah. what a, like a beautiful way to introduce yeah. that to so many people who I don't think have seen yeah. that film. But then the, but then, but then yeah. I try to have at least one movie, uh, 
at least, if not more, are one movie I haven't seen. So I can like wow. watch a film and just see what I think about it. All right. Know? So this is great because we wanted to have you on. We're in the middle of our series where we're talking about heroes. Then we transitioned into villains. And we felt like a great movie to talk about uh, in the transition between heroes and villains is uh-huh. a movie with great heroes and great villains. Yeah. And that is... The Three Musketeers, The Four Musketeers. I went ahead and mm-hmm. even watched The Return of the Musketeers, uh, just in case okay. it was to come up to okay. finish. But I'm, but yeah. I've always been afraid to see that movie. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm actually kind of curious. What, after we talk yes. about this, yes. I'm, uh, yes. I'm kind of curious what you, what yeah. you thought about and it. Then that's actually one of the only movies on the planet Earth I'm afraid to see. See, that's oh, so great. interesting. Because I love them, these two so much. It seems like such a compromised vehicle for them all to get back together again. And I'm just afraid. So we we are talking about these movies. And I see that you've actually brought uh, another movie into the mix, too. So we'll, we'll start to kind of talk about yes. these Richard Lester movies. And uh, just to give people uh, some... I even had the return, but I didn't put it Oh, in yeah, the... please. I, I wasn't going to bring it up. All right, all right. I'm waiting to see if someone else was going to yeah. bring it up, because I'm so scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm already Wait, you upset. you mean you own the VHS tape that you're afraid of? Well, no, I don't. Well, uh, 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 Yeah, see, he keeps it in a black, you... in a well, black well, box. I think we had, we had it in the video archive. The yeah. But yeah. that would be the kind of thing, though, that I would pop up. Oh, hey, the Richard Lester uh, yeah. uh, 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 third sequel. Buy it, but they never have the balls to watch it. I understand that. I would like to dare you to watch it. Well, let's talk about it. I double dog dare you. Yeah, maybe. Double dog dare Let's talk about that. That's that's legally binding. Let's talk about this this whole thing because the only reason that I'm afraid is because of such high, the high esteem that I hold these two, uh, I hold this one movie. So we are now going to talk about these, uh, these two movies, The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers, which... I think some people consider one film. Well, it is it is one film. Yeah. They made one movie, it's and like, then the Salkinds just... It's, uh, like, it's like Kill Bill. Like a certain movie I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was written as one Russian epic. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and written by the guy uh, who uh, writes the Flashman novels. Right. And uh, he wrote it as one big Russian epic, and they shot it that way, and that's the way they did it, and that's the way they thought they were going to release it. And then the Salkans got... Came, came up with a brilliant idea of just cutting it in half. Which they kind of did to Superman That's and exactly Superman 2. And uh, no, they didn't tell they, the actors. And the actors, actually, there's a, now a clause yeah, yeah, it's that a, actors can sue it, or get their money it's for It's the Three movies. Musketeers clause, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, this, but this movie, The Three Musketeers, uh, let's just give a little bit of context here. It comes out in uh, 1973. This is a year where, you know, American Graffiti, uh, Ganjin Hess, The Exorcist, they're all coming out. This is a uh, U.S. troops are pulling out of Vietnam. Gas prices <laughs> you are You say double. 1973 and Ganjin Hess I know. is the third of, is the second of three <laughs> movies you give as an example I of 1973? Pop that in there for you two guys. You know, wanted to make sure we talked about on our show one of our favorite movies that we had discussed. <laughs> okay, okay. So U.S. Continue, troops are, uh, I'm just the reality that we're in. I'm just, I'm observing it. I'm not critiquing it. These are unspooled films that we have done. These are observations. Yes, we have done those films on unspooled. Uh, uh, Let's see, the U.S. troops have pulled out. Serpico, the Sting, Gungeon has, you know, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) The gang. (laughs) All right, so here we are. The gas prices are doubling. Inflation is tripling. U.S. enters a recession. uh, And Roe v. Wade 
delayed his pass. So it's almost the, Ooh. we're very similar in the year that we are yeah. recording this and <laughs> the year this comes up. But Amy, tell us a little bit about uh, The Three Musketeers. I will. The Three Musketeers. It is directed by Richard Lester. It is written by George MacDonald Fraser from the 1844 novel by Alexandre Dumas. It is the story of a hot-headed, handsome country boy named D'Artagnan, played by Michael York, who shows up in Paris and befriends three musketeers who work for the King of France. Aramis is, I'd say, the snippy one who claims he's going to be a priest. Porthos is the overdressed one with the taste for nice things. And he's also the portly one, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the portly. I don't, I, you know, he's but he more doesn't than look that. portly enough. Yeah. 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 But that's yeah. part of it. He's the famous yeah. literary yes. character. None of us are partly. defined by our body. And that actor is so tall normal, and uh, lanky yeah. looking. I mean, he's in Life Force. We will right? talk about him later. To me, he's a weak link. You can't see their body underneath all those feathers, anyways. And Athos is the dour, dangerous drunk. They are played in order by Richard Chamberlain, Frank Finlay, and Oliver Reed. The four of them get tangled in this complex complicated love triangle between their queen, a British duke, and the Cardinal Richelieu who wants to ruin the queen's reputation. This movie is a star-studded take on the classic novel. Uh, what, Gerald no diamonds? No diamonds yet. You're not going to, oh, it's coming up? Well, maybe I'll talk about it. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I think the needs to be part of this. Well, but, 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 but diamonds are three three musketeers. We'll get around to talking about diamonds. Four musketeers are diamonds. Four Basically musketeers, a diamond right? heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's four musketeers. Well, no, no, no that's three musketeers. Oh, really? But it's also the oh. plot line of the famous novel is right. the stealing of you the know, diamonds and they, well, they're switching them I back. I haven't read the novel, so I'm giving this for anybody who's as uneducated as I am. I would say, I will simply say, the subtitle of the first movie is The Queen's Diamonds. Well, now let's do. Diamonds are involved. Let's see if it passes the test here, because Quentin, on your your and Roger's show, you read the cover box, the back cover box. Does it mention diamonds on the back? Yeah, that's a good, that's a litmus test right there. Let's see here. Yeah. Oh, okay. We get out of jail free because. The Monterey Home Video doesn't even have a plastic. <laughs> <laughs> they opted for just big glossy pictures. No, it just has like some pull quotes right, <laughs> from critics. <laughs> well, then I would say my point stands. We continue okay. forward. <clears throat> Geraldine Chaplin plays the Queen, Charlton Heston plays the Cardinal, Christopher Lee is a one-eyed count, Faye Dunaway is a seductress and a spy, and Raquel Welch is a very clumsy dressmaker who is so sexy that D'Artagnan and his buddies risk their lives to do her a series of solids. Take a listen. Armed guard for the Three Musketeers. The world's most popular novel is now an eye-popping, swashbuckling, side-splitting screen spectacular. Full of action, romance, danger, chivalry, intrigue, adventure, and fun. <laughs> With a glittering cast of international stars, Oliver Reed, Raquel Welch, Richard Chamberlain, Michael York, Frank Finlay, Christopher Lee, Geraldine Chaplin, Jean-Pierre Cassell, Simon Ward, Faye Dunaway, Charlton Heston. It's all for fun and fun for all. The Three Musketeers, rated PG. The Three Musketeers was released on December 11th, 1973, and it was a huge hit, which, as we were talking yeah. about, the producers Alex and Elias Salkind were expecting. 
So yes, they already had a sequel shot and ready to go. The Four Musketeers. I bet it's not a sequel. It's one movie. I know, I know, but it was. It came out second. What do you want? It's not a sequel. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it was. was I've got a good idea. Let's finish the story. No, it's it's not. It's it's an intermission. It was all part of a master diabolical plan. You go home. You think about it, and then you come back. It's a great intermission. They took the book. They made it two films. This is a thing that is normal now. Like we do it. Twilight Breaking Dawn, The Last Hunger Games book. The yeah, Harry you're Potter, welcome, yeah. by we the way. That shit wasn't time. going on until me and... Well, it was in Hong Kong, but it wasn't in, in America <laughs> right. until me and Matrix, the Matrix and I yeah. d- did it. All right, and then all of a sudden, well, of course we should do it <laughs> yeah, that way. The now. Matrix yeah. and I. And sometimes... <laughs> we came out the same year. <laughs> but sometimes, too, I think sometimes to the detriment and then sometimes to the benefit. Like, you know, it's like sometimes you're trying to add in so much stuff. Like, do you, you know, like there, there's, there's a lot of examples. Uh, do you need that many hours to tell? But this one is a big story. It fills the britches. But of it was this. shot as one movie well, yeah, and, the, and then and, and, edited and, and, and released as two. Well, and one yes. of the, and the, 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 the point, and, uh, uh, you know, this is Richard Lester doing the, uh, you know, the Dumas novel, doing it right. his way. But, you know, but it's a, you know, it's a massive epic, like Apocalypse Now, like Sorcerer, like uh, uh, Lord Jim. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a gigantic it's a epic. sweeping epic. You know, of this, you know, and so the thing is, it's just released in different volumes. Right. All right, you know, but but he made one gigantic. Right, it wasn't like they went back in and, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, he made one big gigantic movie and they just took a piece of scissor, you know, scissors and and, right. and, and, and the actors didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah. And the actors are pretty mad. Some of the actors are pretty mad. No, well, they weren't mad when they all got paid a second time. <laughs> and the movie became the biggest hit that they ever were in. And Raquel Wells got the best reviews of her entire career. I, I think know. they stopped being mad. <laughs> I know. I mean, on that point. And then they worked with Richard Lester a bunch of other times after yes, that. But I'm I don't sure think they were that mad. But I'm sure Quentin, I'm sure Quentin, their agents were mad. And that's why. And they, then they, they got paid. They and never, then they were happy. Right, they they, were they very never had happy. an opportunity to get mad because they're good agents. Uh, yes, they were. And then they got paid and their agents look like heroes and everybody was happy. And Raquel Welch got the Golden Globe for Best Comedy Actress for this movie, which I think is well. She actually beat up Cloris Leachman in Young Frankenstein, which madness, 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 madness. Um, Which is a nice accolade for a woman who could be the woman described in the number one song on the charts the weekend this film is released, Charlie Rich and the Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Oh, Oh, yeah, very good. Hey, did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world? And if you did, was she crying, crying? Hey, so this to me was my first introduction to this movie. I'm a Richard Lester fan, and I don't know how this one passed me by, but... I absolutely Yeah, you probably some Richard Lester Beatles. Wait, 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 wait. When you say pass when you say pass me by, have you just seen these for the first time? Well, as a kid, I saw Return of the Musketeers. Right. Because oh, that shit. was more like it was as a you know, like, yeah. I was watching King Solomon's Minds with Richard sure. Chamberlain, and I'm like, oh, this is another, you know, Richard oh, wow. Chamberlain movie. So I'm coming That's at it from yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, like the Salkinds <laughs> don't even give Richard Lester the footage for the third movie. So I have no context. That that is even a third movie, unless you, you know, believe in it. But so I came to this movie for the first time recently, and I loved this movie. And I feel like it does something that I think people try to do a lot, but it doesn't always happen, which is like it has this like 
there's it's very very funny but it's also it feels like what the pirates of the caribbean were was trying to do they trying to trying to do like mm-hmm. this swashbuckling fun action adventure like romancing the stone comes to mind i even think that new sandra bullock movie like these ideas of like mixing really big comedy but great giant action set pieces but they, there's like a lack of seriousness but yet everyone's playing it in their wheelhouse a little bit. And it's also well, a, it's also a romp. Yeah. There's yeah. like romp. It, it's yeah. sexy, it's fun, it's 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 a little vulgar when it yeah. needs to no be. No one had really done like massive slap uh, swashbucklers done as massive slapstick kind of situation unless it was done as parody. No, we're right. going to make fun of the genre mm-hmm. and they're clumsy and the, yes. that's the yes. joke. Uh, yes. Or like Holy Grail. Yes, exactly. Or then you know or like you know when all of a sudden you know Bob Hope finds himself in a swashbuckler, or Danny Kaye finds right. himself yes. in a swashbuckler. You know, it was always well, well let's make fun of the Ro- genre. Robert Shaw in swashbuckler. Yeah, yeah, okay, but that's coming after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's coming that after but because yeah. of it. Okay, I'll, I'll, okay, a good example. Well, this is actually a good example, but it's a spoof, but, the, you know, they kind of predate this a little bit, is the swashbuckler parody that's buried inside of The Great Race. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. parody, all right? He who fights and runs away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that day. line, yeah. That's a great moment. <laughs> uh, but, the thi- but, the, you know, but the thing is, you know, Richard Lester is, is introducing this as a new kind of concept. But no, no, they're not buffoons. No, this is like right. great acrobatic fights, but, but, you know, but... Uh, committing to full-on big sight gags and 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 you know a master of of of, of uh, physical comedy, so so there's all this lightness and frothiness in the whole first half. Then the second half goes incredibly dark. Right. It goes, and I mean, it, it's a train to darkness that yeah. just keeps going further, descending leading, further, le- and leading further to that head cutter guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh. Further. One of the yeah. And yeah. by the very fact that. Uh, Volume one is is, is called uh, 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 the Queen's Diamonds, which is like part of the fun. Oh, yeah. you got to switch the diamonds, and that's all part of the fun adventure of it all. But the second part is like Revenge of Milady, yeah. you know, and it's it, it's more or less told from her fucking perspective. And, well, no, and I agree because yeah. when we were watching the first one, I'd never seen either of these either, mm-hmm. and you know, like I said terrible school education had never read the book in that stretch where they're like going off to to europe to like or going off to england to find the queen and to get the diamonds back and blah 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 yeah. blah, blah and all of the musketeers start dropping like flies yeah, yeah, yeah. i thought they were all actually dying oh, yeah, and then uh, they all magically were alive again at the end so i mm-hmm. thought oh this is a movie where everybody gets hurt and nobody dies uh-huh. and then the whole second movie is just no everybody actually just dies <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> and i felt tricked i was like oh my god whoa you got me Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I had a charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Thank you.
that performance of Faye Dunaway is it only it, she carries that entire movie in a in, in a way where you're just like I couldn't keep my I eyes think, off I think, her. I think I mean, her. I think her and Oliver Reed. Yeah, I Oliver think, Reed yeah. is you know, Oliver Reed to me is so wonderful. Every yeah. time I watch the movie, I just I spend the entire time talking to myself. I, Oliver Reed's fucking amazing. Oliver Reed's fucking amazing. I just, that, just say it in my head you see, constantly. You see <laughs> everything going on, his inner turmoil of this woman yeah. who, like, it's like, but this first movie yeah, is like. terrifying. Like, there's a bit, like, um, Fraser talks about how he wasn't sure that anybody could pull off the dialogue he wrote for yeah. Athos until he heard uh, Oliver Reed say that first line where he's diagnosed with smallpox. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a very clean sore thrust. A souvenir from the Cardinal's guards, eh, Monsieur Arthur? You're a liar. It's the smallpox. Of course. One sees that immediately. I mean, don't pretend you know one from the other order would make any difference to your treatment if you did. <laughs> yeah, the way he delivers that with, like, so much sort of resignation, humor, sharpness, like, nihilism. Yeah, yeah. The layers in that. I mean, this, I feel like, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. When I watch this movie, I think like, all right, I see a clear, clear, clear character of Michael York, D'Artagnan. He's just mm-hmm. sort of this big, active, dummy, aggressive, running around. Mm-hmm. I kind of get Aramis and Porthos confused. They're sort of there in the background. But like mm-hmm. every single time that Oliver Reed steps into the frame, he just is like on a different wavelength. Well, oh, yeah. He's yeah. Oliver Reed. I can't yeah. Yeah. That's the he is reason like, is oof. he's Oliver Reed. No, I think, it's, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a combination of a few different things. I think you're... I think you're catching Oliver Reed at the height of his of, of his movie star male leading madness, where he is a big fucking name. It's a yeah. thing to have yeah. Oliver Reed starring in your movie, and at the height of his masculine. Uh, uh, charisma, you know, before it gets too sucked up by alcohol. Yeah. But he's still, no, he can still get it up, man. He's fucking, yeah. all right, this dude. You know, and, uh, you know, and, he, and it's full bore. It's like a fucking bull, all right, like loose in your house. He's right there. Um, so you're, 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 he wants to naked wrestle you in front of the fireplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're getting that, but also, but, you know, at the, you know, uh, uh, but, I also just think so. You're getting all of that, but I think it's there's also two other things. I think there's a combination of Oliver Reed understood what he could be in this movie. He knew that, and not in a, in a selfish way, but I can score, but I can score in this in a big, big way. And I had heard of uh, because the guy who uh, did the uh, uh, choreography for the movie, William Hobbs. Yeah. Okay. He's you know he is what to he is to uh, sword fighting. M- Sword fighting choreography in movies, what Remy Julian is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, the car chases in yeah. the 70s yeah, he and literally, and I mean, I think one of his last credits is Game of Thrones. Like, that's how yeah, long yeah. his career spans. It's- he was the fucking man. You know, he, he taught them how to do the fights in Three Musketeers. He choreographed and taught them how to do the fights in The Duelist. And fucking everything is good. Everything is good with a sword. It's because uh, uh, William Hobbs did it. Or Roy Hobbs, William Hobbs, I think William Hobbs. But this is actually thing I'd like yeah, to oh, learn a little bit about, too, no, but, he, like, but here's my yeah. point, though, yeah, going yeah. off with that, is see, Robert Rodriguez wanted to hire... Uh, Bill Hobbs, I'm thinking his name is Bill Hobbs. Uh, 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 he wanted to hire Bill Hobbs when he was going to do Zorro. And so he met with him and talked with him a bunch of different times. Uh, but then it couldn't work out. And then then he didn't want to do Zorro. Then he left. He goes, well, if I can't get Bill Hobbs, right. I don't want to yeah, fucking do it. What's the fucking point? Yeah. But in talking to him, he's like talking to him about the three and four musketeers because Robert yeah. Rodriguez thinks this is a fucking great movie. This is a masterpiece. So he's talking to him about it. And he goes, yeah. He goes, you know, it really was Oliver Reed. 
that made those fights so good. Because there had never been anyone who did sword fighting the way Oliver Reed did, the way he right. threw himself around, yeah. the way he used the jacket, kind of the way he, the way yeah. he yeah. pound people, the like way he used his physical girth, all right, to do the fighting. And when they all the actors got together for weeks and weeks and weeks of training, when they saw what Oliver Reed was doing and how he was going to completely dominate the movie in every degree, that was when the other three actors just completely upped their game. Yeah. And they started committing to the six days a week. Yeah. And started committing to, you know, giving themselves completely over to it because they didn't want Ollie to steal the movie from him. Because he was just committed to it. 100%. He raised the bar. Yeah. He raised yeah. the bar. And I will say that when you watch these sequences, these sword fight sequences, like he really is content to let those scenes play like there's not a lot of cuts you're watching well he's a co- well he's a comedy director master yeah, all right? right he knows that it's all about the choreography and he doesn't need to build the thing with a, a bunch of bazillion cuts if, the, yeah. if there's a cut it's meant for dramatic impact but he he wants to enjoy you know like the hong kong directors he wants you to enjoy the choreography yeah you get to sit back and I, the I, physicality I, of it all I, there was a moment in uh three musketeers where i was like oh this is an interesting weird location because they like uh you know d'artagnan like gets to is going to duel each of the three musketeers yeah. and they meet up in this the laundry, laundry. The laundry. Yeah, yeah. and i'm like what a odd backdrop it looks so bland and boring and then you realize mm-hmm. oh it's all for this and and it's like they're all cut off from each other and you have this a beautiful like high shot where you get to see at the mm-hmm. end the de- like you know the all everyone in their own quadrants curled up and, and bloodied and beaten There's down little and, bits of somebody getting stabbed through a sheet yeah, and the right. blood yeah. trickling just a little bit through the well, sheet i kind of want to ask this question though to you guys as though you are wine sommeliers and I'm at a fancy restaurant and I'm trying to figure out what to what to look for on my palate. I don't know what to look for in a good sword fight on film. How to tell if it's good or not. Like what what to see. Uh, 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 knife fights and sword fights and correct me if I'm wrong Quentin. Mm-hmm. It's like shooting a dance sequence or a uh, you know or even dialogue. You know, it's 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 not too dissimilar. I think you know it's, that, it's, it's, that's it's, a, it's, that's it's, a really great but I think sword fights and knife, like a bunch uh, of clashing. knife fights seem more like take place in the real world. All mm-hmm. right. But a sword fight is it fits into a genre. You know, fits into a only elegant, today. Now, elegant, now they do. Elegant, <laughs> no, but I'm talking people don't walk around with swords cine- anymore. I'm talking about cinematically. We're right, talking right, about right. cinematically. You know, so cinematically, no, I put myself in a movie theater and I'm watching the prisoner yeah. zenda. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're that's right. A, that's a no, point. Like because I because I've never held a sword or anything. I don't have. I can't really yeah. understand watching it on film. I just see. I and it's a like very delicate weapon clang, too. It's clang, not like clang, a clang, yeah. not like a Conan. Sword. You know, it's not yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. It, they, it, it's a it's like a foil. It's, you a, know, it has, it's yeah. a rapier. I yeah. think I think it's I think it's a I think it's a combination. I think it's a four way combination. It's a good really really good question because you had I had to think about the answer for a second. All right, uh, um, which I normally don't do. Because it's kind of a four-way combination of uh, there needs to be a, a you know, a wonderful element. I'm probably, I'll combine two of them together. A wonderful element of both dance and acrobatics. All right, for the two actors to be able to pull it off, or the mixing of the doubles and the real actors to pull it off. All right, and there has to be terrific choreography inside of that. Maybe, the, and it can be all you know. Th- this has a, got a humorous choreography while right. also being brutal. Mm-hmm. All right, but it could be a fast choreography. Everything's happening really fast. You know, or you're hopping on tables and you're hopping, or you're hopping on flags, or you're, or you're hopping from chair to chair to chair, or you're you know uh, uh, balancing on beams. Okay, that could be the case of what's going on. So there's you know uh, 
so there's that, and you have, and I think you have to have a fantastic backdrop in which it's all happening. Like one of my favorite sword fights is at the end of Max Opus's *The Exile*, where uh, oh, yeah. uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and uh, Henry DeCal are having this the wonderful sword fight in this broken down windmill. Yeah. All right, you know, and so they're fighting up the stone spiral staircase, and then the windmill blades are like going through. It's fucking awesome. It's yeah. terrific, and the big wooden gears. Well, and, and that whole movie is shot interior, yeah, yeah. even the exteriors. And so it has this kind of uh, like mm. economic and highly beautiful yeah. quality where it feels artificial, but intensely real at the same time. And one it's of a the, great film. And one of the things, and then the other thing is you need to really, you know, uh, uh, you need to invest in your hero and your villains. Right. You know, and the th- one of the things about a swashbuckler is they usually have pretty great villains. Even the most mediocre swashbuckler, usually the guy playing the villain is pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's pretty impressive. The The lead may not be that impressive, but the you, the bad guy is usually fucking killing it. <laughs> and so when they meet up, it's fucking exciting. And if you put all those elements together, I think that's a pretty terrific sword fight. I'm realizing as we're talking about this, I think one of the only sword fights we've covered so far in the show is when I did, we did an episode on the Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah, there's yeah. that first battle between, you know, like the man yeah, in black uh, and yeah. Inigo yeah. Montoya and I remember at the time we were realizing that the script just said when they got to that part of the of the movie greatest sword fight ever done on film and that <laughs> yeah. was like the only yeah, instruction right. yeah. and it was uh, just yeah. like go forth and figure out what that mm-hmm. is they probably had Hobbes yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well this, I think this idea too is like you, you it's, a, it's, it's meta I, it's fun yeah. it's very good but it's very meta yeah, yeah. the sword fight in uh, well because that one that one kind of <laughs> like Princess Bride kind of walks the line of, of of that not parody but it is com- like it is playing with tropes it's i mean I, I really love it but it's also like this i feel like it's parody it's not parody but it's as close to parody as you right. can be without it's, being yellow beard or, yes i would say, I would say the, yeah. the romance in princess bride is more serious than any romance here like the romance in princess bride is legit no oh, i know i i think that like the, his con, his connection with uh faye dunaway is like i feel like that i mean it's another it's no okay, it, i completely yeah. okay okay, yeah, okay. I, was, I, I, I was i was i was chewing on what you were saying but I completely disagree when you talk about Oliver Reed and Faye Dunaway. Yeah, right? yeah they're oh, so good Dunaway. together. Sure. Okay, but like, okay, the Queen and the Duke. No, they're oh, that, yeah, uh, they're, they're idiots. That's, 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 that's almost the, yeah. the point of the Dark movie. Is we don't care idiots. about that though. Right, no, right, we gotta right. care about our main characters. I even, yeah. I mean, I love. I the mean, scene. I respect. Cardinal Richelieu in a way that I do not respect the royal family in this oh, no. movie. I have nothing, I kind of have nothing but admiration for Cardinal <laughs> Richelieu. He's fucking killing it. Car- <laughs> anyway, when you Cardinal, see that it's yeah. like Charlton Heston as Cardinal Richelieu, I spent the whole movie being like, oh man, when is Cardinal Richelieu going to fight? Like, just being ready. And <laughs> but by the never, way, he I, doesn't need to lift a, and he doesn't a need sword. To, he doesn't need almost, to. It's almost like a dare. Like, you cast Charlton yeah. Heston in that. My pen is my sword. Charlton Heston but I'm also, has, like, yeah, yeah. exactly Brian yeah, and, and, and you're still face. talking about during and, the time when Charlton yeah. Heston was still kicking ass well, in yeah. the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. oh, Omega Man was only a couple years ago. It felt yeah. like a loaded <laughs> bomb having, like, Charlton yeah. Heston as Richelieu. But I also thought, like, for watching it, I was like, wow, Richard Lester got a non-Charlton Heston performance. It's not like, I feel like he... Well, okay, now yeah. you say that from watching, like, you know, if, yeah. if your idea of Charlton Heston is just Planet of the Apes and uh, Earthquake and right, like the, the bigger, Mega yeah. Man and everything. But, you know, he had a huge theatrical career, you know, and he played Los Angeles all the time. You know, so, like, you know, just randomly, it would be, oh, at the Amundsen Theater, uh, Charlton right. Heston in... A uh, 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 man for all seasons. Right. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then there would be another. Oh, Charlton Heston and Julius Caesar. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and he would do all these like you know. So 
Well, and he actually had done Julius Caesar. He played right. Mark Anthony in, a, in his version of Julius Caesar, all right, like in 1970. Uh, but he wasn't as, uh, uh, you, know, but, you know, and he has his own, you know, uh, doing historical fiction. And right. Stuff. So if you're only thinking of him as the science fiction dude, sure, right. in then the loincloth, like yeah. in Soylent Green, yeah, yeah. then I can understand. I can right, understand. Right, yeah. But no, he has a... I mean, he's very, and that's yeah. what I'm saying, he's very good in it, but it was, to me, it seems like in a movie where people are mm. not chewing on scenery, but the, everyone is really in these roles. Like, I I think he plays that role really well. And I was like, oh, this is a really wonderfully kind of this grounded, restrained performance. I mean, he, well, he's not known for his completely subtle performances. Right. Well, yeah. He's known for pushing it. All right? yeah, he's, that's like, a, he's known like William Shatner for going for it. All right. So to see him just like completely keep everything at a monotone yeah, for kind of Richelieu. And, 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 and you could see- like, I love you, my son. And, <laughs> and then, how he's this master manipulator because he yeah. does manipulate- like, And so- he's out- Eveling Christopher Lee. Yes. Christopher Lee has a fantastic role and a fantastic look, yes. and he's ready to go. And he's still, you know, so he's not just he's not just doing it. He's doing it opposite Christopher Lee Absolutely. and Faye Dunaway. Yeah, I have to play that first clip of Michael York insulting Christopher Lee because that was the moment where I was like, oh man, the dialogue in this movie is yeah. just amazing. No time to talk, my lady. The Cardinal commands you to England. You are to let him know the moment the Duke of Buckingham leaves London. And then? Await his further orders. And you? When shall I see you again? You? You assassin? I shall chastise you, sir. Oh, oh, forgive me, madam, but I must kill your friend. Are you not terrified? (laughs) Away, bumpkin! You will hear from me. He's very handsome. This movie is just so well written with those weird kind of like absurdist zingers. Like you have to give your horse the nobility of dying honorably of old age. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything about it, the tone of just how they set up all these characters from the beginning. You know, Quentin, I was thinking about the bifurcated nature of the two films. How you're saying the second one is so dark and the first one is such a romp. Mm-hmm. And my favorite Dick Lester film is Robin and Marion. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's my favorite. I, I love that film. And what that movie is, is it's the last half of Robin Hood, which has always been neglected because it's the tragedy part. It's right. the dark part. The right. first half of Robin Hood, you know, the... Uh, the Errol, fun swashbuckling. The fun yeah. swashbuckling part. That's the one they always want to make. And they usually just end it. like right in the yeah. middle. And if you were to have made the entire Robin Hood legend is mm-hmm. one, uh, one story, it would have included Robin and Marion, which is a tragedy eulogy mm-hmm. at the... The end of it and dark the in world the way, very and it, it is Sean very Connery, much like the second half of uh, the, the yeah, very much so. yeah, very much so. Yeah, so. I mean, it's almost like he's trying to take what we think the three musketeers and Robin Hood and all these people are and trying to say, like, no, it was like a little bit dirtier, a little bit filthier. They weren't so awesome, they had to go through their own hardship. It's not like, I mean, like, here, here Michael York tries to do a Douglas Fairbanks like rope swing right at the beginning yeah. and he just misses and falls in the mud. Yeah, it feels like this corrective, I guess. Yeah, well, I think what I, I think one of the things that's going on in the film is one of the reasons why it still has staying today is um well it's just completely a Richard Lester production in every way shape I mean it's as it's as uh, this is not hyperbole I think it's as much of an auteur piece of work as anything that any filmmaker has ever done I mean it's yeah. just a complete auteur epic he has takes a- one of the most famous novels of all time and does it and then proceeds to story-wise anyway be extremely faithful to the story. He tells the story that's right. in the book. 
but he has his own complete point of view about it. And he's taking, you know, and he, his point of view is not the point of view of Dumas. And he's taking the piss out of these characters. But I think it's coming a little bit more from a just a full on, full shotgun blast of 70s cynicism. Yeah. It's just, you know, but it's also, yeah, it's really, American expatriate living in British 70s cynicism. Yeah, like who, who in government are we on the side of? Are we on the yeah. side of the the red-shirted guys? Are we on the side of the musketeers who are serving he, the, Louis the Thirteenth? Lester constantly is a, shows. A, a boob. Lester constantly shows that both I prefer the, Richelieu. I that, prefer Richelieu to the that king. That both the musketeers and Richelieu's guards are fools, all right? Marionettes dancing to the tune of, of, of either an evil person or a complete infectious yeah, idiot. A, bu- a right. buffoon. A buffoon. Yeah. Right. A they, buffoon. They are working in service of idiots. Like, yeah. you know, or, yeah. You know, and like, I mean, like they're honoring their kind of sacrifice. Well, it's, they it's, go it's, this whole quest. It's the two forms a, of governance, yeah, the, yeah. the two yeah. kinds of governance that I mean, occur. The, and I then mean, you have uh, I mean, Le- Lester is, is, laughing at, is laughing in the face of the entire concept of samuraiism. All right, right. that you would give your, uh, devote your life, you know, to this being, because he's showing how useless these beings are. Yeah, uh-huh. he's doing, like, all the musketeers are doing this quest because of this great love affair between, you know, the queen and, mm-hmm. the, and the duke in England, and he's, like, already cheating on her with Faye Dunaway yeah, left it's and appalling. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, everybody... And, and, and this is the government that we're meant to follow, but, and this is... Exactly. Like, like, and yeah. at the end, like, this is the, the mid-70s. King is, and the king is shown to be even, you know... Well, they're both... Show, both him and the queen are shown to be, you know, when, yeah. she's, the, when she's in the little merry-go-round, and yeah. she's like, oh, you know, to the slaves who oh are moving the... Like, oh, <laughs> with them, the, make them... Go one of my favorite things about that is yeah. that whole sequence of like them, yeah, them in their own merrygram run by people. The dog chess, the they, have dog a, chess. They, they have dog chess out there that the king is playing chess. When I've recently gotten so into they, chess, so the dog chess scene just made me really happy. But no, it, it, move, it could be a Don Johnson's fucking plantation, right? right yeah. And uh, Django and Chain. Yeah. But yeah. it's like this idea, like, and, it's, and it does show the ineffectual nature of it because the king like wants to make one move and has to go through like five different people to move the right yeah, dog, yeah. and at the end the dog does attack somebody. But I think. These characters also interact with a lot of ineffectual people or, or people who are really funny. Mm-hmm. And that's a Richard Lester yeah, thing. Yeah. And I think we saw that really interestingly. If Superman 2, you definitely see the Richard Lester scenes versus the Richard, Richard Donner, Donner scenes. Yeah. They're very, very different. But I think you have these great characters like the innkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that, that scene goes, and this is the staircase. <laughs> you know, and he like, and, you know, and it's like, oh, we've got a great view of the city. And he I pulls almost out this think that that's the man. Yeah. Arrest him. <laughs> That's not the man. Yeah, it's so, I almost think that guy's in his own movie. Yeah, yes. like, Spike Mulligan is in yeah, his own he movie. He is doing his own thing. Yes. He's completely like ignoring any direction. And he does direction. not like this sort of intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but there's something really, fu- I mean, but that I feel like would only really work in a Richard Lester movie where they are, like it, it can afford that character being so. But also, okay, Roy Kinnear is in his own movie. Yeah, all right. right. Uh, D'Artagnan Slave. He's yes. in his, and, 100%. as if it's his own literal movie. Is. That is a ta- like the, the last frames of his movie are attached yeah, to like, all the serious like, right, Rosencrans and Gildersleeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in his own movie and he's like gathering up the muskets and the picnic tables and the champagne and trying to leave like the shooting site. Like, but I do think it all I love shows. I see that where like he's like where they're boarding the they're trying to board the boat to England yes. yeah, and yeah. D'Artagnan is like, don't even worry about him. He's not even a human. Yeah, being. he's not a human. He doesn't count. This boss is only for one person. I am only one person. That is a servant. I see. But I think that that just shows like everybody is like almost out for themselves, right? Because every character you meet, you know, like he's just trying to grab the food, whatever it is. It's like they, they, this is like this time is 
a time that we look at as like, oh, it's noble. It wasn't amazing. The Three Musketeers, they fight on behalf of the king. Mm-hmm. And they does kind of pull down that curtain in a way yeah. where I think we can laugh at it. And I think having more fun with it makes this movie well, so much. It, it, yeah. it's, it's this. It's well, I mean, hard, well, of- well, no, it manages to, to also do two things. It manages to offer all this cynical 70s fun that we're talking about. But then... It's not intellectual when it comes to the gags. Right. They fucking work like it's, like, like it's, I'm not going to say like Blake Edwards because Richard Lester is an equal of Blake Edwards. Sure. Uh, like Richard Lester going out to deliver like some of the best gags ever done in a movie on a this big of a scale. I mean, he's, Michael, also, wor- he's also working with David Watkin on this, who he collaborated yeah. with a number of times, but uh-huh. David Watkin did The Devils. I mean, The Devils is like, I mean, yeah. you know how much I love yeah, Ken Russell, yeah, yeah. and The Devils is like such harsh, like intense realism. Mm-hmm. And so coming off of The Devils and bringing a little bit of that reality, yeah, I think we can uh, say, uh, yeah. to Dick Lester's sort of, uh, what was it, uh, jumping, running, and standing kind of comedy. I see such a sight recently in both of those movies, yeah, and they're yeah, just yeah. so wildly different. Yeah, I see, I really, you know, I see such a symbiontic relationship between Ken Russell and, and Richard Lester at so this time. Yeah. I mean, just ab- well, there's a sur- there's the whole, an absurdism. Even the whole to movie after movie after movie after movie, I'm not going to worry about it. But I'm just going to do whatever fucking thing comes into my head. And I'm going to yeah. commit to it 100. Yeah. You know, and I'll do two fucking movies. Yeah, I think a David Wakin also shot the boyfriend. Yeah, I think but so. do you yeah, think yeah. that that's what keeps this movie out of the parody element? Because it's like even that seduction scene, like where Michael York is trying to sleep with, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, like and, and he's, he's with Constance, or he's like obsessed with washing her legs. Her legs. Yeah, but he's yeah, yeah. like he, yeah. Arm the queen through me. I can hear the wings. The cardinal wishes her ruined. Because I'm in the queen's confidence, perhaps he hopes to attack her through me. You cannot go to the queen with dirty legs. Uh, no. Are you strong enough to wash them? No. Oh, my poor husband. Hmm? Without him, I feel so helpless. I have never washed the legs of a woman, but I have done a horse. With a horse you start at the top. I cannot go dirty to the queen. Mm-hmm. Do you think I will be safe here? Oh, oh, oh yes, Constance. Yes. So he's so obsessed with her, and it's like, but that scene, and she's she's playing the the movie, and yeah. like, I love that. Well, scene. here's that. Well, here's yeah. an interesting thing, though. Okay, because. This is 73. So parody will be redefined this year by Blazing Saddles. We'll never right. quite, because there have been movie parodies before, but they didn't commit. Right, to the, yeah. know, to the true, no, we're going to. We're going to actually tell a story and it will be funny. Like, oh, the, oh, no, but we're going to just point up the fact that we're making a movie to right. this degree. That we're going to say, you, we know you know movies. Right, yeah. And this is a stupid fucking movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make fun of every stupid fucking movie you've ever watched. Right. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... 
I have a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. So Blazing Saddles will change parody as we know it. All right, when it comes to movie parody from this from this point on, and the th- you know and the and the Three Musketeers, like you said, doesn't even fall in. It has fun with the genre, but it doesn't even fall into the lighter parody. Right, right. Because you're still able to commit to the story one hundred percent. Will you buy that all these characters are they? You buy their motivations. It's not okay, for oh, a joke. That's, yeah. that's a good way to say it. They don't know they're in a movie. Right. They're this. No, this is Arthos. This is. Portos. This is D'Artagnan. This is late. You know, this is uh, Lady De Winter. They are the the they are the perfect uh, uh, presentations of these characters. Yes, you know, from this literary novel. By the way, you'll say you know we talked about Christopher Lee earlier and how great he is. Every character who's played him afterwards wore an eye patch, and that was never in the book. Oh, so like that's Christopher Lee, that's Christopher Lee yeah. yeah, like Christopher Lee defined it, and everyone's like, "Well, we have to now wear an eye patch." Well, like, well like, in the in the uh, <laughs> when they did the Disney version in the '90s with Charlie Sheen and oh, Cuba yeah, Sutherland yeah. and everything, uh, they did an interview with Julie Delpy, and then, uh, so hey, so you're doing a Hollywood movie? Yeah, I'm doing this Three Musketeers thing, you know. And they go, "Well, what character are you playing? Well, I'm playing the Raquel Welsh character." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you know it's so interesting too because you do you she Raquel Welch I mean she just also like it, it is one of those things like when you first see her and the way she's presented in this movie too like she really I mean she pops in this movie in a in a great way like it's a good I, adjective yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's a good compliment to Faye Dunaway a really nice kind yes. of contrast yeah, yeah. To her. like they're, they're the same but different yes and I think no that, they almost like like n- nuclear reactor yeah. different uh, yeah. you know like. Uh, Raging atoms, yeah. all right, but on two opposite ends of the scale. <laughs> yeah, but when they have that little fight where Faye Dunaway pulls out her death comb, yeah, and then like she grabs the <laughs> yeah. tiny statue from the thing. But I had to say, like, if I thought one of the two was going to win the Golden Globe, I would have put all my money on Faye Dunaway. Well, but did it? Did she not get nominated? Because I guess she I would get I, nominated for this year, right? And then Faye Dunaway. No, I for think. The next I think. It, no, I think it's this. I think it's this. I, I think it's a situation. Uh, oh, it was. Two, I think it's a twofold situation. One, they. Sh- I don't think she necessarily should have won. All right. Um, but I think it was a combination of it, it is for the comedy, and it was more of a comedy performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, this was just a really good time for Raquel Welch this year because she had never gotten good reviews, and this was the first time right. that she had done a movie that one everyone really liked. It was a big smash hit, and she got you know, uh, 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 she got the best reviews of her career. You know, and, they, and, and everyone talked about how fun it was that she, like, you know, uh, gave the slapstick performance. Now, it's really funny, though, when you watch the movie, she's not really doing anything. Well, it's that's Ra- it's Richard Lester's cutting yes. that's creating all the she slapstick is, yeah. stuff. She's not doing yeah. much. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, she's just a good sport. She's present. She's a good sport. But she's not, again, that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. there, it's so interesting because she's a central character that I probably know the least of, like, or, like, yeah, they're, like, I get why she got all the attention, but, but I also again, like. Well, you just also, but you're, you also have to take in how famous right. Raquel Welsh was that at that time, and how this is the opposite 
of her persona. A clumsy girl. Yeah, like Salkin's quote about why he cast her was he said she was the biggest star in little countries. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that wow. makes sense. Oh, wow. That's that a sense, very sulky yeah. thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and and then this movie, I like, do you think that the movies suffer at all from having to put an end on uh, on three musketeers into four? Like, do you like cause there's a there's an element of where four starts that feels like, oh, did I miss a little chunk here? Oh yes, D'Artagnan had earned his reward, I can tell you. He and we three musketeers had risked our skins and our reputations on her behalf against perilous enemies. The Cardinal Richelieu, for one. Formidable man, that. Hungry for power. Who would have exposed and ruined the Queen to serve his own ambition? No gentleman, you see. And his agents, the bad and beautiful Milady de Winter and her lover Rochefort. Two birds of prey in fine feathers. She, for one, would never forgive D'Artagnan or his mistress Constance for defeating her plot against the Queen. Revenge was what Milady wanted. Dreadful woman. I don't think that's a problem. Okay. Uh, one, one, I, I really don't think it's a problem as far as like the way three ends because it right. kind of ends perfectly. perfectly. Yeah, I, yeah. I love oh, it. This yeah. is a great fucking idea. Yeah. Let's just split it in half. There's right. that, all like, together. I mean, that intense music is so good. Like, like a music yeah, yeah. of watching Faye Dunaway away glare at everybody yes. after she's like, I don't like to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, no, that, I want that, that, that sequel. That, she's so yeah, mad. That, she's no, so that, mad. That whole sequence in the in the courtyard is so euphoric. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody slow zoom. All right, zoom on Richelieu. Oh, I'm gonna fucking get you. Guys, you know, yeah, and they're all laughing, <laughs> and then like maybe the best, one of the best gags of, of both movies. All right, is the dummy hitting? Uh, oh yeah, well. yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, if to see that in a movie theater when it came out, it it, it brought the house down. Yeah, it brought. That. It's like the well, kind of laugh in a comedy that brings the entire house. Down. And it's like, it's, and he wastes it for the end of the fucking it's movie. So it's, great! It's such a. It's you're so still unexpected. laughing as the closing credits are playing. And, it, it's, and she scene, knew nothing so. of it. You yeah, can yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, like yeah, it, it was like a. <laughs> it's just that you've never. I've never seen somebody subvert the walk off. It's like you know, if, at the end of Star Wars, where they're giving everybody medals, yeah, if like yeah, a bird yeah. shit on Chewbacca, like yeah. you know, it's like wait, like wait, like wait, we're here, like we're, you got like walk us out the door. But and I like, love that little image of Richard Chamberlain uh, stifling his laugh. Yes, all right. It's one of Richard Chamberlain's best moments in the whole movie is him laughing at Raquel Welch's fucking clumsiness. But also, <laughs> one of the things I was watched, uh, wondering watching this movie though is like, there's so many scenes, especially in the first one, where like they cut to some sort of homemade carousel, homemade water yeah. wheel, and mm -hmm. everybody gets confused or trapped on it or it's really mm -hmm. difficult. Like, I mean, there's like four scenes where because there's a wheel operating in the background, somebody yeah. gets confused. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. was just like, they know about wheel. Like, these aren't cavemen, but wheels just seem like such a strange <laughs> I think, technology. I, 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 I th but I think, I think they're, you know, it's jumping off from that kind of stuff works in silent comedy, like both you know, uh, you know the gear, you know, uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin oh, getting caught in the times? gears of yeah. the of the clock, you know. But also, it's also it's also a big metaphor for the time. And, the rule, well, the well, wheel, well, is, well, is a symbol mm. for life. And when um, I was describing, mm. like when I was describing uh, uh, the end end uh, uh, fight scene in, in the Exile, part of it is the windmill blades coming around, but then all those wooden gears, you yeah. know, just but they're giant. I said right. for a giant made it, you know, yeah. uh, just you know, gearing you know, all these logs. Right, that are all carved like like uh, clock pieces. <laughs> well, that you could see like Gore Verbinski does that a little bit, and yeah, yeah. in Pirates, like, yeah, like yeah. he was like, oh, and there's these big rooms with their sword fighting, but it's like, yeah, you're in this like giants, you know, uh, gear factory, and it's like, yeah. but it's so fun to see those things. I also think that that's a 
a trademark maybe of Richard Lester because I do think he likes that confusion of like getting caught in a revolving I would say it's a door. trademark of great visionary directors who deal in uh, 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 genre period stuff because you'll notice there's a lot of that in Sergio Leone's movies. Yes, You know, yeah. these crazy like weird laundry machines, yeah. you know, where kids are riding on a burrow, yeah. you know, and the laundry is working around <laughs> like You can't this. watch a Tony Scott film without getting, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. pigeons uh, flying through and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fans and uh, everything. Uh, what was, the, so what was that one guy? Yeah. kind of more describing John Woo. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that too. No, but here they're trying to fight and there's like geese and accordions everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was the one device? It was the, um, it was almost like a teeter-totter that they have to climb to the top of to get the, you either burn or you get up to the food. Yeah. Quentin, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, the, the end, the, the kind of ecstatic end of uh, the first part, the mm. yeah. um, three musketeers. I mean, the Queen's diamonds. The Queen's diamonds. The Queen's <laughs> oh, there's diamonds. In this I mean, uh, Quentin, Quentin, you've, been, you've been through. You've been through the process before, where suddenly you're like in the editing room and you're, you know, in the middle of production. You're like, hey, let's break this into two movies. Why cut it down or whatever? Mm-hmm. However, that came about. How how much does your editor like? I mean, it, it, this movie, John Victor Smith, who edited this film. Do you think like he's inventing that ecstatic moment? Are they? You know, to, oh, yeah, yeah. to create like a false ending for this movie that's now getting cut in two. I don't know what I, I don't know if their situation was that they had edited the entire thing, you know, from beginning to end. They and, said and, on and, set and, they realized we're not going to make our release date. We need to make it into two movies. So on set they was when the germ of the idea started. But they okay, didn't so. tell anybody. Like apparently, right. Roy Kinnear showed up at the first screening for them and like was like better eat. It's going to be a four hour screening. Mm, yeah, and yeah. I had no <laughs> clue that this was happening. Well, how, how did it come about for you when? Well, basically, did you know during shooting, uh, for example? No. Well, not dur- okay. If you <laughs> if you ask Uma Thurman, she will tell you that um, Quentin always knew it would be two movies, but he just waited till it was Harvey Weinstein's idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's not necessarily untrue. Uh, um, I couldn't count on that. Right. All right. You know, so, um, you know, so I was, I was just going to make them, I was going to make the script I wrote. I was going to, you know, and then if I have to wrestle it, uh, you know, but the movie was too much. It's it's not going to be a, there might be some sacrifice. There might be a lot of sacrifices, but it wouldn't be a compromise version, you know, but if I had to wrestle it down, I figured I could make it a three hour movie if I had to. And, uh, uh, and so that was just, the world we lived in, all right? And I'm just shooting and shooting and shooting. And so we, we'd finished the main shoot and then we were get, getting together uh, to shoot a couple of other, uh, you know, pickup shots or something. And Harvey happened to be in town and he, so he showed up on the set and he's just watching us shoot some stuff. And then he goes, um, you know, he's just talking to me and he goes, you know, I'm going to hate like hell to cut anything out of this. Do you think you can make it two movies? And that was the first time I'd ever said that. Oh, wow. All right. And then, uh, and right after he said that, I had to go and direct the scene. And so I came, you know, my, and I'm like involved there for like, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or something. So I'm involved in 15, 20 minutes. And then when I finish, I come back to him and I go, we can do this. And this is exactly how we do it. Da 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 Knew I wanted to, like they do in, in Three Musketeers, they have a little setup, 
for were the fourth thinking, one. Were what? you thinking of this at the time? Yeah, of course I was. I, mean, I don't know if I was thinking about it in the 15 minutes that I have that I was putting it together. I was thinking about right. my footage. Yeah. You know, uh, but once I started really thinking about it, then naturally I was thinking about this. This was the example. But there was also a few Hong Kong examples. Hong Kong in the uh, uh, late 80s, early 90s would do these big epics and just splice them in half. Right. And, you know, America wasn't doing that, but Hong Kong did. And I was watching a lot of Hong Kong movies at that time. So it wasn't like the craziest thing in the world for me to, to do right. this. Um, and then, uh, uh, and I knew where the other one would start. And I remember it was like a situation where, okay, well, look, we can definitely do that. So let's just, let's just edit the movie. Let's just kind of go through the movie. And so then we were editing the film and we're cutting the film. And then we got to the end of what would be volume one. And so it was a situation where it's like, okay, if we're going to do the two movies thing, then you have to cut volume one and you have to stop. You can't do volume two. You have to go, now we have to go and we have to do the sound mix and we have to do everything for it so we can release it. And so if we're going to go that way, that means I make volume one and then just forget volume two. And then I go through the whole post-production process on volume one. Then I release volume one. And then I go all around the world and I promote volume one. And now I walk into the editing room and I edit volume two. After volume one has already played out and has done everything. Um, So it's that. Or I just keep on going and make the movie. You know, so uh, we had had that decision to make. So then we, uh, uh, we liked the two movies because we could use literally all of our footage. Yeah. And so Harvey was planning on coming down to Los Angeles and he came down and he, uh, uh, and I go, okay, so Harvey, here's the deal. We're going to sit down at the cam. We're going to show you the movie and this is either part one or this is the first movie. And so we show it to him. And when it finishes, like, what are you fucking kidding? This is, (laughs) this is his own movie. We don't need anything. This is, (laughs) This is it. This is it. Release this. Release this this summer. What the fuck are we even... This is not even a discussion. This is it. Um, and then make volume two as long as you want. I don't give a shit about volume two. Release this. <laughs> and then I go, okay, but, but before you say that, though, let me show you what would be the beginning of volume two. And so then I show him the bill. It's like, oh, my God. Uh- this is two movies. <laughs> we have two movies for the price of one. This is the greatest thing ever. Great. Great, we're releasing two movies. <laughs> wow. Our $55 million movie became two $25 million, $27 million movies. This is the greatest news ever. <laughs> Did he ever hang out with the Salkins? Do you think they would have gotten along? Yeah, uh, Harvey was really friendly with all those old timers yeah. and everything. I think he would have got along great with them. Well, I think it's like, and it's, you know, I think that when you watch them together, if you if you left the theater watching the Three Musketeers. I don't think you think about Faye Dunaway that much. She's she's yeah. like fine performance, but it's but when you get to Milady yeah, yeah. in in the second movie, I she's pretty much the lead. She is the lead she's and you are, and, and and I was watching her and the way she manipulates her uh prison uh her prison guard. Wait, I've seen the, that story done a zillion times and I've never seen it done better. Yes. All right. Yeah. She that is, version of it. I, I couldn't take <laughs> that my story's eyes been done a zillion times and it's never been done better than that version. I love that scene. I'm playing it right here. Okay. God help me help your people who are persecuted. Deliver them from the betrayer antichrist, lest he corrupt and destroy them as he as he has defiled and destroyed me. Send me thy angel God to strike down thine enemies. Help me. Help me. 
Who is Antichrist the betrayer? He is your master, the Duke of Buckingham. He is the Philistine blight on Israel. You, you are a Puritan, and yet you serve him. They are dying at La Rochelle for the faith, and he is betraying them. No! So he would have the world believe, but he will betray them, I know. He marches to Paris, to the bed of his queen, his lascivious Roman queen. Oh, Master Philip, you have the eyes of a saint. Help me to take warning to our people. Help me. I mean, that whole sequence to me felt like the greatest Madonna video from the 90s that I've ever <laughs> seen, ever. Candles yeah. and hot breathing and bodices and priests and her just need to survive. Yeah. Like her will to survive. And her well, you really admire and you admire her at a certain point. Yeah. I will not want to. You're going to put me. Oh, you know, you know uh, Simon Ward, who yeah. has no reason but but nothing but to despise me, is going to lock me in in England, going to lock me in the lowliest dungeon. And I will get out of here yeah. and I will triumph. I, I, like, I, 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 to be uh, to be perfectly honest, I find the Calvinists uh, reversal. Mm hmm. A little, a little quick and perfunctory. Like we're getting through it, and to, I mean, uh, it, it works, mm -hmm. and it works better than I've ever seen it done before. But it's almost like we get to that point of the movie, and now we have to chew on that bolus to get through it. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't realize he was based on a real guy either. That the Duke actually was stabbed by a dude named Felton, who was a zealot who hated him. Like, there's actually a story I lots think to be made. Even yeah. lots of zealots. Like the Duke himself, I think, would make a fascinating kind of makeover movie. Movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he shows up in England, he's 21, he's, you know, sort of connected to royalty, not that rich, he's like a party boy. And basically the people of the English court are like, well, we hate the king's best friend, but if we dress up this guy and make him cool, he'll be the king's best friend. And that's what they do, and that's yeah, how yeah. this Duke of Buckingham gets promoted in the first place. And then he becomes super powerful, everybody hates him, and eventually he gets stabbed. But like <laughs> all of that is pretty true, and they do mm -hmm. wonder if he was... It doesn't seem so much like he was having affairs with the queen as much as he was having affairs with the king. Oh, no, really? Like, yeah, oh, wow. they, like the king told his court at one time we were that he yeah. was his closest companion and there was nobody he loved more than him. Wow. wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, you say that when it's the king. You don't say, oh, I love the queen more or I love this person more. Right. No, it's the you fucking to... king. She, but Faye Dunaway in this movie is so evil that we were talking about the, the there's a really brutal scene at the end where the, the musketeers who are... They're good guys, right? It's a, this is a, you know, we've seen them romp around. We like them. They they hold their own trial, or very, you know, and they yeah. sentence her to death with the headsman. And you know, when when she goes out on that boat, in my mind, I'm I'm so in awe of Faye Dunaway. I'm like, she, I think she can get. I think there's a way she can maybe get out of it because she seems so powerful. And and you know, and Michael York goes to grab, you know, to get her. We are all here as judges. What is your sentence? Death. 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 And that's a brutal end to this character. And she has been so brutal the whole way through that you still feel for her. That's not, you know, you know, Richard Lesher does what like a German director would do. Mm -hmm. He allows her to be like a dot in yes. the distance when it happens, yeah. which makes it 
even more empty and sad and uh, and tra- almost tragic. Okay, yeah, one. Cause she gets- I, don't, I, I don't know if I would describe that ending as either tragic or empty or sad. I, I love or Finn Dunaway I, in this movie. <laughs> I like her evilness in it and everything, but the thing is, I and I, I'm shocked when they give her the death sentence. I think I think it's silly for you being shocked. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. shocked that the movie kind of goes that goes that right. place, but yeah. not necessarily the uh, turn of events. Uh, I but, mean, you're watching it become a snuff film. These guys are like her judge and jury. She's screaming well, okay, at them. Well, okay, you okay, are. <laughs> Don't tell you. No! No, you are not my judges. Take me before a court. It is my right. No! It's as it's as cold and heartless as justice is. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't think it's brutal. I mean, I think, I think part of the point of it is the idea that as opposed to her machinations that just rip the heart out of whatever poor misbegotten person comes in her way, gets yeah. in the way of her of her journey and her mission. Uh, that Oliver Reed, who deserves to take a knife and stab her if he wanted to, and to mm-hmm. actually have bloodless vengeance. All right, uh, no, they're not doing that. They are doing a court. They are doing a trial. They are, yeah, you know, they're, they're actually in a strange way more lawful than the king or the well, 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 no, but, but I'll <laughs> say one thing before you, before, and then you can say whatever you want. In one way, they're actually treating her like a fellow soldier by giving her a soldier's mm. death. They, as soldiers, are, 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 are condemning her to death, and they're kind of giving her a soldier's death to some degree. But there's not, it's, it's, it, they're making it a point of, they're being Nuremberg, they're making it a point of not, it not being bloody vengeance. Right, and, well, they, and, and also, they hired also, a headsman. They they did they do it. The, not yeah, just they, any yeah. headsman. They got the headsman from Leeds, who would be the best headsman in England right. at that time. But it's so and sad. It, which means that he's going to cut clean so that she dies quickly and as painlessly as possible. A lesser headsman might chop several times. But he still only costs like five cents. One of my favorite lines in that, in that movie. Complaining in that, about the, row. Right, in that opening battle, <laughs> the we see them just like casually take 40, 40 of the cents. I can't remember the name of the money, and they just like spend uh, it on yeah, drugs. Yeah. So it's like her death is so cheap compared to the value of the currency that we've already seen getting spent in this movie. I mean, I feel 90 ways about it because I, Faye Dunaway's performance is so strong at this end that I have to keep reminding myself that she did just str- strangle Raquel Welch with, like, rosary beads. Which is also a very cold, I mean, another cold yeah. scene. I was like, wait, this, okay. wait. We're wait, talking what? about a woman who walks around with acid-filled knives. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Those are so cool. I would love an acid No, they're really cool. Yeah. Okay, but a woman who feels the need yes. to carry in her garter when she has sex an acid-filled knife. I, aren't you bummed that we never get to see her whip out the bodice dagger when she's in that amazing yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, agree. I was like, oh, I can't wait for the bodice dagger to come. Yeah. But I will say, does Oliver Reed deserve to kill her? Because here are the facts of his story. Y- yes. I married this woman. We fell in love. I found out she used to be a prostitute. Therefore, she must die. Like what? Well, no, but I think that, that I don't think he's killing her for that though. But she was so nice to him. It's only no, when he I sees her okay, brand I, 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 that he's like. You have a vent, like, what, well, what okay, even uh, well, like, okay, you poor, you're putting your, you're putting your, look, you're put, you have to, uh, look, you have to put yourself in the, the time yes. the story takes place. All right. Her crime is, you know, it, you know uh, uh, I mean, you know, where they're coming from back in that time period is 
You have a business, I have a business. We're gonna join our business together and we're gonna start this business together. Oh, you've got $100,000 worth of debt? Well, you didn't tell me about that before we joined our businesses together. All right, you know, so if she's not telling him about the fact that she was branded a harlot, then she has gone into this entire uh, life-changing endeavor with him in, like, not only bad faith, cruel, intentional bad faith. I would like so to So I'm say, not even talking about the horror part. It's just... Yeah, like they, 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 they made it up. It seems like in that moment, they're romping in the forest. It looks really beautiful. They could have redeemed each other if he had forgiven her. Like, if, if he had forgiven but her But he is in dishonored moment, inside of, of the entire... Yes. He is dishonored inside of the entire society. But I do think that... that I do think that... What you're, I, think it, I think it's the lens of the time a little bit, too. And it's a different movie. That's a different movie, too. Like, I think we've seen that movie, and this is all about honor and what is honor. But I don't think he's killing her for that. I don't think that, like, that, that decision at the end, at that point, she... Well, no, no, it's for everything she did yes. along the way. You know, he's not looking to track her down and right. murder her for what, you know, for his life of drink. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but, but I by the way, saying, yeah, yeah. If, if she wasn't his ex-wife, I don't think he would be straight up like, we're definitely killing her. I mean, because at, at the end of one, when they're doing that really cool lantern fight, mm-hmm. where, like, the director where Lester is like, pretend that it's dark, but even though yeah, you yeah. can see everything, yeah, but they're yeah. shutting off the lights so they can't see everything. It's a, a movie that reality. Fight, yeah. yeah, the movie reality between like uh, Christopher Wait, Lee would you rather and see Michael Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's so fun. But like, that's what the they would that, do now. That's what they would do. But would you rather yeah. see less? No, yeah. I wanted yeah. to see as no, much as I saw. <laughs> Michael York makes a big deal of like, I'm going to let Christopher Lee live because I'm a gentleman. And yeah. now they're like, no, no, no. We, I, I mean, okay, true. Richard Lester did two cuts of this movie where like in one version of it, they let Faye Dunaway live, and in the other one, they killed her, and test audiences were definitely like, absolutely kill her. Yeah. Which is the thing we talked about in our last episode. We did Starship Troopers. Right. But by the way, right. there's similarities in Star- Richards. Denise yes. Richards, it was the same thing. At that test audiences like, kill Denise Richards, and he didn't, but they are like, we really need you to kill her. There, I mean, there's a similarity with Starship mm-hmm. Troopers in this, in the sense that like, uh, he took the the book Starship Troopers is based on and, and added comedy to it and, and, and fucked yeah. it around. And I think that this is the same thing that Lester is doing. Yeah, he's yeah, taking yeah. this thing and adding a little well, bit more comedy. Con- yeah. You always interpret no, he's material not, like no, that. No, yeah, actually, that's a, really good, that's a really good correlation, all right? Because um, Verhoeven is taking the fascism of the novel and right. adding satire to it. Yeah, it's like complete right. jingoism and he looks at it yeah. like the opposite. Yeah. And then uh, uh, and, uh, to some degree, Lester is doing that with uh, you know, the whole you loyal French yeah. chivalry aspect well, also, of the tale. Lester is talking yeah. about Vietnam and uh, Verhoeven is talking about uh, Iraq at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. At so that time, it, before Iraq, like, it was just I would say, right, I just would, like yeah. days yeah. I, would, I would say Verhoeven is talking about the entire history of yes. war. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, that, yeah. as Verhoeven frequently I'm, does think almost about. Almost the entire <laughs> history of war as told through movies. Yeah. And now, I mean, I could probably be, uh, you You will probably disagree with me, but I will say that like in these these moments and, and why I think that those moments play harder or maybe colder, but like when, she, when Faye Dunaway kills uh, Raquel Welch is because we also have a scene in this movie where they have a, a pretend sword fight in a restaurant where they're stealing the food and it's yeah. one of the most fun, like kind of mm-hmm. joyous, slapsticky like kind of scene. So mm-hmm. I think it's like also goes to show like from a directing standpoint, this movie can hold both of those things and they don't feel Again though, it's you, it's the second half. Right. You yeah. know, he's he's earning the right you know he he's earning the he's earning the right to be more serious and more right. serious as the movie goes on. And it's actually very interesting how he uses 
it's easy enough to talk about the way he uses drama in the second half. It's almost more interesting to talk about the way he uses comedy in the second half as he makes the story more uh, uh, weightier. Right. Is from that point on, there's still the funny line. There's still the funny little bits of business. The, there's still the, uh, the, uh, the buffoonery of, of the royal class. But from that point on, especially when it comes to the Musketeers, uh, he keeps it down to the big sword fight extravaganzas right. that happen. And there is this whole aspect in all both of the movies uh, where it's like, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna punctuate this with about six big giant sword fights, and I want to have you know, and I and I and I want them almost to encompass. The, almost the whole history of, of slapstick comedy to some degree as I do it. So, you know, so the, the one fight's going to be with the laundry. Right. Where you can really take advantage of the ropes and the, the lines and, and the, the sheets, and, and, the and, sheets yeah, yeah. and the blankets and the subterfuge and all that and the, the red against white blanket. You can yeah. take fun of all that. All right, you know, and so and then there's the comedy bit with, with the chickens. Yes. All right, that they're using. But everything is just kind of built up, but there's this, again, like, Starship Troopers, there's this history of cinema going on. So when they actually have the big sword fight on the on the glass uh, uh, on on the ice lake, one, it's a comedy masterpiece. Yeah. It's fantastic. But he is evoking Alexander oh, Nevsky. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's it's in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's in the piece. It's it's right there. It's a comedy Alexander yeah. Nevsky take. <laughs> I haven't seen Alexander Nevsky. Well, there's this gigantic battle on I the ice. I don't hold that against yeah, you. Yeah, do you really? <laughs> I don't hold that against you. <laughs> it's a long one. It's a long one. But uh, there's it's this. It's not that long. There's this famous. There's this, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it feels long. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's I like know. one action scene after yeah, a fucking I, I, another. I think it's like sixty minutes long. <laughs> it's uh, like ninety minutes. Ninety, <laughs> 90 minutes of fucking horses on ice. And yeah, there's this I big, big gigantic, amazing yeah. battle on ice, and it's just incredible. It's it's it emulated. Constantly, I mean, you people. have me at fucking horses on ice. Yeah, horses on ice. No, it's like it's one of the great battles. Well, again, we have to remember, like for the first forty years of cinema, anybody's description of great action directing meant directing battles because that mm -hmm. was what people yeah. thought of when they thought of big action sequences, battles. You know, and the one is uh, 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 of the Russians and the Germans fighting on the frozen lake. All right, in their horses and in their armor. In Alexander Nevsky, <laughs> it, it like I, I, I wish that in a way there would be a call to restore the the original version of this movie. It would be fun to see them uh, sliced together. Maybe I've done that from the moment they came out on video. Okay, so back right? I had two recorders. I cut it together as you, one what? movie. Yes. Well, no, this is the the video, but my home, but, but back. In the '80s, when I rented this, all right, from another video store before I was even working at at Archives, I immediately I made my own tapes all the time. That was my favorite Three Musketeers, thing to do, the like whole bloody make... affair. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I I cut out the I cut out the closing credits of of of, of one, and I cut out the closing credits of two. I love, uh, and, yeah, and, and by and the, the way, recap of in the beginning of two. No, I didn't yeah. have I didn't yeah. use the recap. Yeah, of course, I like the recap, and I also I like the differences in the two credit sequences. Yeah, how the yeah. first one is kind of strobing and lots uh, yeah, of hard. Yeah. Lines, uh -huh. and then the mm -hmm. second credit sequence. I mean, is this kind of soft, mm -hmm. uh, soft images? But again, yeah, it's all blurry. Well, I think it's blurry and I soft. Think, it's the opposite of the first. I think they cool completely. That first one. It's like all Moy Bridgey, Michael yeah. York, yeah. Yeah. just showing yeah. his muscles. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, but in the effort to make it Moy Bridgey, that's uh, yeah. 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 In the effort, <laughs> I did the same thing with Rocky One and Two. Well, oh yeah, <laughs> right. that, they need to go together as well. Like yeah. now, here's a question: Does 
three musketeers, you know, just hypothetical, does three musketeers do as well if it came out in its original version? Because are people because the the 90 minute version of it instead of the five, you know, five hour version or whatever. Of it course be, it doesn't. Yeah. Of course it doesn't. Yeah. You know, a four hour movie like this, or even if they cut it down to three hours. No, of course not. You know, I mean, like, there's not, no time for dinner. Right. Well, I mean, this oh, no, is no, 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 yes. but, but, but no, but, but the situation is, okay, look, it's the, it's an extra show. But every day, but, <laughs> but, but it, yeah, one less. But there's a variety of reasons. But I think it's more more than just a knee jerk reaction to the idea because, like, they had long movies back then. All right, it was a big epic. Mm-hmm. But the but the true success of of the Three Musketeers was because it was ninety minutes long. It yes. was a fucking blast. People went. They loved it. I mean, they fucking loved it. They went out and had a great time. They weren't struggling with this massive literary endeavor. They weren't struggling with this magnum opus of Richard Lester. They just went out and was like, wow, that was fantastic. And, and that's why I think you pull the <laughs> and carpet out. And they wanted out. to see the second half. But yeah. do you pull the carpet out from the audience? Like, I, this is something that Amy would maybe know a little bit. Or you, I'm sure both of you would know. There's a, when the sequel comes out, are people like, Oh, wait a second. This is. Well, they show at the end of the third one, there's another one coming out, but there's no ripoff. I mean, they get the diamonds back. Right. The yeah. story is done. done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, the, um, but because it, the second one does a lot more, it, it, it earns its darkness. Like you're going in, going, I think it's going to be another fun romp, and it is. Just a well, different again, well, tone. Well, Kill Bill does yeah. the same thing. You know, it, it, you know, uh, there's not all the fights right. that there is in uh, the first one. There is a darker element, you know, to the second one. Yeah. And, and, and there's a more realistic element to the second one. You know? I, I think that there is, I mean, these movies are really interesting. I know we talked about it very briefly uh, at the top. But, but I think, I think, yeah. I think you know, there might've been somebody, well, I thought the first one was funnier. Right. I enjoyed the first one more, but. I think if you're a real, if you're a, were a fan of the movie even back then, then no, no, you're caught up in the story. Right, right, yeah. You, you wanted thought, to see you how, saw it, how it, ended. yeah. And and Faye Dunaway does a magnificent job of wrestling the narrative, yeah. you know, away from the boys to take it away I, and like it's yeah. I, f- I feel the need to sort of confess something that kind of caught me off guard though watching these movies, and it made me feel actually incredibly ignorant. So I'm just going to expose it right now, which is when I think of like the Three Musketeers, I always just imagine a bunch of dudes with swords, and it did not occur to me. Until the fourth movie that musketeers means they all have guns. Yes, yeah. I know. I thought the same. Yeah, 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 they do yeah, have yeah, muskets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, muskets. It's certainly yeah. this guns? turns into the uh, Mexican-American war. Well, we've been brainwashed yeah. into the candy bar. I feel like you always see the candy bar with the three musketeers yeah, with the swords. Is, the, but of course, the mus- <laughs> we don't have yeah. musket is. Yeah. I mean, we can be yeah. clear. Like, the three musketeers is the worst candy bar. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I like three musketeers. That's good. I eat all the chocolate around the side. You that, like, marshmallow That's called, you mean the nougat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so homogenous. I mean, give me like I, some there's texture. a cloud in a, in yeah, a, in like a candy bar, and the white paper is so cool. I like it in I like it in a, like it in a, 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 a Halloween what, candy size because it's, uh, it's, it's a perfect. It's a, more of a, a two amused booth. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. A two biter for me. <laughs> I think the four. I think <laughs> between the between the three musketeers and the Butterfinger and the yeah. Baby Ruth and the Snickers, that's a pretty good trifecta. Like, I love that. It's a good, good run of movie. You're talking about a Milky Way, all right? That's yeah. what. That's well, a confused candy. Yeah. That's a confused candy. In a world where Snickers exists, what's the point of having? Yeah. Why are we taking one away? Why Wait, what's the difference between a three musketeer and a Milky Way? They're just well, Milky Way has caramel in it, which should make it better, but it doesn't. No, and it's big. And it's fluffier. Yes, and, way fluffier. And like yeah, the they fluffiest do, they do. item, edible item known to man. <laughs> do you remember when they added more air to the yes. Musketeers oh, thing? Yes, they actually added more to make it more fluffier and bigger. Yeah. Not added more 
you know, ingredients. Just, just, just more air. Yeah. I just don't get the point. I've never met a person who's like, my favorite candy bar is the Three Musketeer. Wait, oh, oh really? Three Gala. Musketeer. Really, yeah. Gala? It's your favorite? Yeah, it's the one I would always pick out for Halloween. There it is. Why? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so good. I went through a Three Musketeers year. There was a yeah. year that I would have said Three Musketeers was my favorite. I just find this insane. Yeah. And what is it now? If it's not, well, I don't have candy bars now. I don't have a favorite. Candy <laughs> oh, I love bar. one of the best things. Okay. <laughs> one of the best things about uh, being a parent now is that when my kids go trick or treating and they go to bed, I can guess I have my pick. Yeah. It's the best thing because I don't go out to get candy bars. I never. That's not my my thing of choice in a movie theater. I'm not going to pick a, mm-hmm. uh, a candy bar. I need more. I need, like, uh, I need what, 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 what do you choose? I mean, I'm a big, I love Twizzlers. That's my, I grew up on the East Coast. Twizzlers and popcorn are great. And then I would do popcorn do and m and like Twizzler like a straw? A straw. Sometimes, I mean, it's it, Twizzlers are not built like Red Vines like that. Red Vines are a much better straw substitute. Yeah. Twizzlers are- oh, They're too thin. Too yeah, thin. You yeah, can, too but it's difficult. Yes. But like, I'm a, yeah. I've always longed yeah, for like this candy bar. Your eyeballs like explode. Yeah. Really, it's good. You get some ab exercises. Yeah. You're sucking in through your <laughs> sort of, But like, I've always regretted that I never ate this candy bar that's discontinued, and I continually look for it on eBay. It's sort of like a sky bar, you know, like a sky bar candy that had like four different oh, quadrants. Yeah, yeah. There was oh, like yeah. a marshmallow, a peanut butter, a oh, fudge, yeah. and a marshmallow. There or a caramel. There was like one that apparently had like seven or eight quadrants. It was a candy bar where like one square had Whoa. raspberry jelly. Bring this back. One would, square had like what is, and what is the name of this? Not quadrants, but yeah. candy bar. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it was called. You like tell the story. You don't even know the name of on it. No, because for I don't it. Know. She's yeah. searching for it. She's searching for it. Don't eat old candy on eBay. That that is not a good. I will remember yeah. it in a second. Oh, I mean, I could Google it, but we're having a conversation. Yes, no, no, that, but like yeah. I have looked for the. I think it is called like the seventh heaven or something okay. like that. I want. The, oh, I the need mar- the. I need variety from yeah. bite to bite. I don't yes. want this. Seven up. Seven up. Seven what are the up. flavors wow. of the seven up? That's why I like a take five. Okay, a take five is pretty. It's soft. mint, nougat, Ooh. butterscotch, fudge, coconut. Ooh. Buttercream and caramel. Basically, okay, it's, I don't, it's like a it's whole a bunch of candy in one. Yeah, okay, it's a bunch yeah. of these candies that glob together. I don't, together I don't, like, I don't think I would taste it. With all those tastes, I don't think I taste anything. I don't right. want to eat one flavor for a whole bar. That's so boring. Yeah, these uh, are literally every bite is a different candy bar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you don't like Butterfingers? I like Butterfingers. Oh, I love the Butterfingers. Butterfingers are fucking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I would rank them below Snickers. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> really? Well, no, no, I mean, I Call can, no, I can understand back. somebody liking <laughs> Snickers more than Butter. I mean, sure. I don't necessarily, but I can understand that. But uh, 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 but the Snickers is the same fucking taste from beginning to end. By the way, the I Snickers know, but the texture me, makes it exciting. The texture's great. Yeah. Texture's I, great. I, I no, 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 two, three, four ways about that. I bought and the size and seems right. Right, that's what the difference is between yeah. to me like a Snickers and a Butterfinger is you can't eat around a Butterfinger that well. At least a Snickers, you have variety in how you eat it, kind of like a Kit Kat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make it different from bite to bite. No, that's true. Yeah. I like that's right. why I like putting some you know M and M's, peanut M and M's, and popcorn. You get a little pop, you get a salt, salty, sweet chocolate. Wait, wait, what's your candy? Let's as we go. go. Uh, I'm yeah. I am Junior Mints all the way. Wow, oh, yeah, Junior Mints, Junior Mints all the way. That's sophisticated. Yeah, that's Junior sick. Mints forever. I love it. What about and, you? And maybe raisinets, I mean, you know, every now and then. Well, like, yeah. uh, like I really like raisinets, but like, but the ones that I inhale are goobers. I mean, like, oh, like goobers I mean, like, are classic. Like, yeah, I, and they're gone. Uh, <laughs> and they're gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's, it doesn't even exist. Goobers, raisinets, <laughs> and like the box and yeah. just pour yeah. it in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I would like to have is just uh, a whole bag of the. Little Reese's, all right, you know, because oh, like yeah. if I get it at a movie theater and it's gone, all right, you know, but if I had a whole bag of the little one, oh, I love this. So good. Uh, <laughs> wait, so we, I, I will just briefly touch on 
because we haven't all seen it, but return, I'll just say a couple elements about it. Uh, And as we had this conversation, I've turned around from my original opinion. I don't think you should watch it. Okay. Because here is why I think it, in watching all three back to back, and it was my first experience with the the first two, Mm -hmm. I really liked the characters. It was fun to see them age into this other role. It was great to see them there, but there are some (sighs) things about it where... It, you know, it's it's Milady's lady's revenge because it's Milady's daughter oh, yeah. who is coming after yeah. them for revenge uh, for her mother, and that's that's the that's the big and that's Kim Cattrall who uh, she's actually I, I buy her as Faye Dunaway's daughter. I, I love her. And look, I look, yeah. I love a Kim Cattrall in Star mm-hmm. Trek Six. You know, where she gives the, the monologue about the sabo sabotage and yeah. like all that. I thing. love her in Porky's. Oh, por- great! She, I mean, she's <laughs> I done love Kim Cattrall. Kim I like Katrina Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall is too. my dad's favorite actress. Oh, really? Oh, really? She's special to me. Yeah. Uh, she, and, and, but I think where she <laughs> falters here in that movie is the right... She doesn't get the great machinate. Like, I feel like Faye Dunaway got these moments to really exist in plot and scheme. Yeah. And the big reveal in Return is that she has this Pee-wee Herman esque room where everything is rigged like walks into a closet walks out of a door the stairs become a, a slide people are flying in now well that sounds like a richard lester that, thing that, that could that, work the, yeah, and it, yeah and it and it felt like <laughs> it, does. It, it but i think in a weird way like that's what i loved about it i was like oh this room is so fun it's so cool mm-hmm. but then it felt like it belittled how evil she was to have oh, this like yeah, yeah. like this like rube Goofy, goldberg wonky yeah. yeah like a willy wonka room or something like that you know which was it was, it just felt like a, as we talk about it now, I'm like, I remember things from it, but like the opening sequence, I'll just tell you is, is, uh, is the servant mm-hmm. and you see him unsheath his blade and the blade is coming out, blade is coming out. And at the end of the blade, it's a fork. And then he is, uh, hovering above a restaurant, trying to poke his fork <laughs> into food to steal it, but it keeps on falling off his fork. And that's the opening. That's the opening. Well, look, scene. Okay. Can I, can okay. I just, you describe that. That doesn't sound that great, but I can see a Richard Lester. Yeah, I can play something Richard like Lester. that off. Yeah. <laughs> These are Elia. There actually is, I think, an interesting counterpoint, which is I learned in preparing for this episode that the Cardinal Richelieu invented the table knife. It was his oh. idea to invent a butter knife because when he was having dinner with everybody in, in the palaces, they just had their little daggers and everybody yeah. would be like stabbing daggers and using daggers <laughs> to like put food in their mouth. And he thought it would be safer, probably less assassination-y if he invented a, a, a knife that couldn't kill people. I shall invent uh, a dull knife. Yeah. <laughs> and then he uh, came up with the, air, uh, the airplane Which knife I, too. I will have no fear having this knife on the yeah. table before me uh, with, as exactly. my guest, yeah. my and dinner guest. If uh, I can give you a few more Richelieu fun facts because yes. I did learn he is, we know from his corpse that he had gonorrhea okay. uh, in his life, which would like go against the idea that he was a man of the cloth. Uh, we also yeah, know gonorrhea, that, gonorrhea is a normal yeah. thing back then. Was it normal that you just you got it? I mean, because you didn't bathe. Right yeah, you like, go to the commode right, yeah. and you come yeah. out with gonorrhea. Really? Ooh. <laughs> I never want to live back here. Uh, we also know that when he died. It was the wrong feather at the vomitorium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> After he died, they stole the his face from his corpse. Like oh, somebody wow. went wow. to his tomb and cut his face off. And then you like, mean, like they didn't make a death mask. They actually no, cut they actually, his wow. face. They off. took his face. And somebody like a hundred years later was like, oh yeah, one of the some descendant of a lord is like, I've got his face. And he like showed it to everybody and they gave it back. But his preserved face, you can still see a picture of it. <laughs> I, I've online. Got it. Yeah, I, I feel got a little it, bad about it. having it. I'm yeah. gonna give it back. The box. coolest thing about Sorry it is about you can that, see that he, he still has his mustache. Oh, like wow. his mustache oh, wow. got preserved into his death face. Well, that was the whole skin. reason for stealing the face guys, was to steal the mustache. How did he do it so well? <laughs> Wait, do That's you want to see cool. it? That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, you have a picture of it. Uh, you have it. You have, you have it in your purse. 
No. You're reaching for your She bought it off eBay. I couldn't get that candy bar and got Richelieu's face. I do actually still have the picture, so I can't show you this. Yeah, that's his actual face. Ooh. Years after he died, you see the mustache? Isn't it cool? Looks like one of the mummies in Wanawata. I know. It's got like the really sunken eyes. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of like a cross between uh, like a, a, a skull and... and uh, yeah, it uh, looks like yeah. what the Wallawaska mummies. Yeah, you're right. That's it. Oh, anyway. Sorry. Everything, everything goes back to Demonoid. Richelieu reminds me of oh, Demonoid. <laughs> I did watch Demonoid. And oh, uh, it's pretty great. It's yeah. pretty it's terrific, like, huh? Are all those dead faces real? Oh, yeah, I know. The Wallawaska that we're talking about, the Wallawaska mummies. Wallawaska was a village in Mexico and... I lived there for a while and they have, uh, you know, all the mummies there. And in those days you could actually like go visit them, you, go visit them. You go see, yeah. go take a look at them. They were like in a museum, but they were just like propped up. Yeah. yeah. You know, like there was nothing stopping you. And in fact, Werner Herzog at the beginning of, um, like forbidden, uh, uh no, uh, Nosferatu. Okay. Yes. All of the faces at the beginning, he went to Wanawata and the those ones? are the mummies from Wanawata that he's Whoa. shooting at the beginning of the film. And they actually gave him permission to move them around. And he said, it was very weird moving Whoa. these dead bodies as mummies. Very light. So I moved them around to shoot them. <laughs> 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 wow. He had this like, uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, um, uh, wow. so you can see the mummies at the beginning of Nosferatu. I did not know those are the same mummies. Same mummies. Yeah. Wow. Well, now I wanted, I wanted to, in the spirit of the merging of the shows, I know that there are mm-hmm. three, right? And we've talked about two, and we yes. are not going to talk about Return, but we are going to talk about, I would love to hear what. Okay, so the, let, me, yeah. let me make my final thing on where okay, I'm coming yes. from on, on Return, not okay, having yes, seen it. Yes, okay. Is <laughs> my final criticism, having not seen it. <laughs> it's not even a criticism. It's I know, just I know, my reason for not wanting to yes. partake in it. All right. Uh, um, I just think that the epic that he made back in 73 uh, is just one of the most uncompromised auteur efforts that anybody's ever done. So why would I want to see a compromise, not done for the right reason, want to be left-handed seems like right sequel to that to his one of his greatest works you know done 30 years later for uh, or 20 years later for an audience who doesn't care i mean the, the fact of the matter <laughs> is if the, if the movie had been made in you know 1975 and then released that's in 1976 that's a different story it's completely that different that's completely been different. amazing because w- there is in 1979 a, that would have been a fucking amazing there is a reason to make <laughs> yeah, that yeah, movie yeah, and yeah, that yeah. it's the it's the third novel yes. and and so there actually is a legit reason to make it mm-hmm. and it just it needed to be made immediately following. I think it was, even eighty two or eighty three. That's yeah. that, that for the older musketeer thing. You yeah. know, ten years later, that Richard Lister was still a thing. Yeah, I think so. Right, he's, 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 he's doing the Superman movie. He's making yeah. his most profitable films. Yeah, yeah. He at this point, I think he had not made a movie in four years when he makes Return. Yeah. And I think there are, like I said, like there are set design pieces. There's funny choice. There's funny characters. It's but it is the it's it's I guess the way that I kind of feel about some reunions like sometimes it's like oh it's fun i got to see all these people back yeah. together but it's sometimes like i'd, I'd rather them save the same. save it yeah, like yeah. yeah it's like so there are some things that you walk away and go oh that was fun that was i, I got i got a I chance was, to visit I them again i thought you were going to say the reason you didn't want to see it is because it's also that roy kinnear dies 
making the third film. Well, that's a big deal. Wow, of, no, I didn't no, know that. No, no, no. Yeah, he fell off a horse. They were make, they were having horses go across a wet cobblestone bridge, and his horse slipped, and he fell, and he broke his pelvis. And the medical uh, facility they took him to was so bad that he died of a heart attack the next day. France. And then and and and. Richard Lester was so heartbroken about it that he never quite recovered yeah. from Roy Kinnear dying on his set. I, I don't even, yeah, it's such, it seems like, I mean, we talked about Yellowbird earlier. That's like your worst like, nightmare. It's like these, these yeah. things of like, how do you fill it out? And, and you can see like, if he died making a great movie, yeah. well, that's the <laughs> 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 no, I mean, There needs to be blood in that spro- them sprocket holes. Keep as rolling. They, as they, <laughs> <laughs> the projector is taking in the plasma. That means it means it means something. Keep a rolling film. Shoot, shoot, we, damn it. Shoot, damn you. Shoot, shoot, shoot. We, I'll say cut. Okay, I do want to say that for anybody listening to this who hasn't seen the Three Musketeers or the Four Musketeers yet, and I can't wait for you to watch it. That'll be so fun. And you're like, Roy Kinnear, I know that name. I know I love that name. Here is Roy Kinnear in a movie that everybody knows him in. Hey, Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Bunker, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name your price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Um, and just because I, I feel like I've talked a lot about Return. What is what did you think of Return? Did you feel the same way? I or? didn't see Return yet. You oh. were the A-plus student, oh, okay. man. Right. You're Sorry. the gold star valedictorian. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to make sure. I didn't know what we were going to be in store for, but I want to now hear what your third pick is. Just, well, okay, yeah. okay. Well, okay, well uh, this, oh, would, yeah, this would not be the third pick. I just brought okay. it out here. Uh, the, there actually is a third pick, though. All right. Uh, um, so, okay. So, this is the uh, the the video of, of Three Musketeers. The a video nice of, clamshell. Of Four Musketeers. I uh, used to have a big... Metro uh, 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 Monterey home video box before, but now that's there's that version. All right. Um, okay. Now this is a thing called the Fifth Musketeer. That was because these movies were so successful that uh, like another British uh, uh, producer has put together a film of basically this is uh, uh, the Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, okay. It's the story. Of the I Man mean, in that the Iron- is the. Yeah. In some ways, this the the final book. Absolutely, except it has no relation to the the production of this, ex- other than trying to draft on it. Right. So I wonder, is it the Salkinds? Did the Salkinds stop the Man in the Iron Mask from being made because? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. They didn't. They didn't own that. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, it's all public. You know, domain, anybody right? else yeah. could do it. All right, and so, but because, but this had this had created a whole thing for like rambunctious. Action-y, comedy, uh, swashbuckling vehicles. Yeah. There was a uh, pirate movie the- called uh, Swashbuckler with Robert Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was done very much in the in the vein of this. And so this is done in the vein. Of, and this is actually a pretty good film. It's directed by Ken Anakin. All right. Uh, who also did uh, Swiss Family Robinson, amongst other movies. Um, uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker is named after Ken Anakin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, but uh, uh, Bo Bridges... Plays the king and then his and the, his lookalike in, in this. Uh, actually, when it was originally made, it had more of an erotic element. They cut out the eroticism because both Ursula Andress and Sylvia Cristal oh, wow. are, are the ladies in it. Uh, that's a that's a good uh, yeah 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 yeah. For, uh, yeah. Oh, I agree. No, this is a good for movie a not, for a knockoff yeah. movie. That's a pretty this is good, a really uh, fun. No, this is a Ursula for a Andress, knockoff. That's a great for a knockoff movie. This is fun, but but frankly, the the what makes it what really makes it. It's the best casting of the older Musketeers ever, ever done. Because one, 
the older D'Artagnan is played by Cornell Wilde. Yeah. You know, who was a famous, in the 50s, was a famous swashbuckling star. And he's fantastic in it. He looks like a million dollars and it just, it's great watching him do the sword fights. All right. The other older, who are even older than D'Artagnan, the other older musketeers are Lloyd Bridges. Oh, wow. Jose Ferrar. Oh. <laughs> and in the older, in the 30s, in the 30s versions of it, Portos was almost always played in at least three different movies, was almost always played by Alan Hale Sr. Okay. Alan Hale Jr.'s yeah, yeah, father yeah. from the, from the, uh, uh, um, Gilligan's Island. So Alan Hale Jr. plays Portos in this, and he's terrific. Oh. And he's terrific. He's wonderful in it. Yeah, and he's got the right. He's wonderful. He Good. looks exactly yeah. like his dad. I oh, mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's wow. exact. It is the best casting of the older Musketeers ever. Now, the only one that can give it a run for its money, not the other dudes, all right, but at least D'Artagnan, is in the, you know, uh, uh, because these movies were so popular, two of the biggest TV movies done in the 70s were the Hallmark Hall of Fame versions of Count of Monte Cristo and Man in the Iron Mask starring right. Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah. All right. And in the Man in the Iron Mask, Louis Jordan plays the older oh, D'Artagnan. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic in that too. He's, okay, but now, but there is a real third movie. This is a pretender third Got movie. It. This is a pretender fourth movie, frankly. All right. The real third movie, and I don't have a video representative of it, but I have, okay, by the way, when we watch this, me and Roger, this is how we roll. I know, you watch it on the actual... No, we didn't watch oh, this. Oh. We watched my 35mm Prince. <laughs> okay, little fellows, okay, oh. Elvis here. Yeah. Right, he eats peanut butter sandwiches the right way. <laughs> oh. It's like Jif and caviar. And you know right, what? So, and, um, and the prints were not... Like, no, they were they, good. They had not gone magenta or no, anything. They were, good. they were really, uh, they were good. Really nice. Okay, but we had a, I had a third print. Okay, so the third. Okay, so after these were so successful, the Salkines wanted to do another one, but not you know, uh, uh, but uh, uh, you know, not the epic. Mm -hmm. This one was, but they wanted to capitalize on the success of the other people are. Yeah, they want to, and they already have it all kind of set up. So they. Uh, uh, so they did a movie that it's released under both titles, but it was normally released under the title Cross Swords. And uh, it's a, a version of uh, Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. Oh, wow. And uh, so they, so it, it's, uh, and, the, uh, and so instead of Richard Lester, they get Richard Flesher, who I'm a big fan of yes, Richard Flesher. I, I but, love Richard yeah, Flesher. But Richard Flesher is going to deliver, he's going to deliver right. a little good. It's not a big epic. Yeah. You know, it's a, yeah. a, a cool, fun Bang bang story. Yeah, and we're gonna deliver it, and you know, but with all the pomp and circumstance of uh, Three Musketeers, without all the canvas. Um, and so Richard Lester, uh, Richard uh, uh, Flesher delivers it, and it has uh, three of the cast members. Uh, really, uh, uh, from the Three Musketeers to uh, yeah. tie it together. It has Oliver Reed. All right, playing the Miles Standish character, and he's the best version of Miles Standish ever. He's terrific. The that uh, the Errol Flynn character. He's yeah, the best version of that ever. Uh, Raquel Welsh comes back. Oh, She's wow. back in it. And Charlton Heston comes back and he plays King Henry VIII. Oh, this sounds yeah. great. <laughs> but it also has guest stars, almost all associated with the Salkinds and Richard, uh, 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 Richard uh, Flesher. George C. Scott is, uh, 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 has a special guest star role in it. Rex Harrison has a special guest star role in it. Ernest Borgnine has a special guest oh. star role in it. David Hemmings is the bad guy and he's terrific in it. 
Oh, this sounds okay, great. Okay. The, the only problem, oh, Jersey Scott is, is, is kind of king of the thieves. Yeah, and, the king of thieves. The king yeah. of yeah, he's the, the, the Fagin character. Yeah. He's pretty much playing he's Fagin, great, and he's doing some kind of weird eye thing where it looks like he's got like a dead yeah. eye. Yeah, yeah. He's he's great in it. He's wonderful in it. And even Ernest Borgnine, who's kind of out of place in the movie, uh, yeah, yeah. is fantastic because you kind of see him beating kids. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you just see it. No, I mean, the the well, weak, apologies to Ernest Borgnine because I'm sure part, he doesn't really beat kids. The but. weak part about the film is they cast Mark Lester, who played Oliver. Oh, all wow. right, yeah. uh, as a, a, the king. Uh, Which as, on the, paper the, sounds the, the good. Prince and the right. <laughs> He's not a good actor. He's going through a horrible growth spurt at the time, so he just looks awkward and everything. And like anything that requires him to really, really act, he doesn't do a good job. But he's terrible as the pauper playing yeah, the he's king. He's like a block of wood. I mean, no, he's terrible. It's not even a real. You can't even consider it a real performance. However. It's almost as if he's not trying to play anybody else. The right. only person he's trying to play is the prince stuck in the pauper situation. That he's not terrible at. Because him and Oliver, I think Oliver Reed's taking care of him. And they, ha- they end up having right. a nice uh, 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 vibe together. Because right. they knew each other from Oliver. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Of yeah, course. you're right. Of course. Of course. Of course. There was a snake. Of course. Of course. Of course. He's looking after Mark. Yeah. 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 Of course. He's looking after <laughs> They go together just like a uh, Seven Harmony candy bar, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, no, but, so these are the offshoots. I love that. I am curious how your brain works. Like when you have VHS tapes, you know, that are the three musketeers, the four musketeers and the and the five musketeers. Do you file them in one grouping or do you file them That's interesting you would separately? say that. Okay, actually, um in a video store, you would put them under alphabetical order because that's the way people would be looking for them for the most part. All right. Uh, look, that might not be the case with these. You might put four next to yeah, three. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to cluster them. The, yeah. the Fifth Musketeer, again, since you're, it's not even related to this right. per se, would just be under F. Yeah, but you might, which is right next to F for four Musketeers. So yes. you may as well uh, just put it Show there. people a uh, triple feature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, put them like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that, yeah, they, they, like it's interesting too that that this kind of epic, like these sword movie, you know, like it's in, like we don't go back to like we go back to westerns a lot. We go back, you know, like, I feel like we don't. I mean, I guess pirates is probably the well, closest. I, I think, I th- no, I, th- no I, I think like a lot of these morbid genres, um, somebody tries to bring them back every eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. And there's every eight or nine years, there's some version of doing something right. like that. You know, they you know they had the Count of Monte Cristo with Jim Caviezel. Yeah, they had the uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Man the, the, the Iron Mask. It's like every nine years or yeah, so they try to. Paul, An- Paul Anderson yeah. made his. Yes, he made his uh, yeah, yeah. Three Musketeers. Three, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually like that. I thought that was yeah. fun. I had a good time with that one. Yeah, uh, you were talking about how good he is with 3D. Yeah, well, he's fantastic yeah, at he's 3D. Like and I saw, yeah. He's I saw like a master of 3D. No, I he's the only guy who makes movies in 3D that I go to the theaters to see his movie in 3D. It, like, I feel like and that John was... Uh, well, I want to add Alex Aja on there because I think he really did a good job on Piranha when we... Like, we, like I feel like he shot it with... I think the idea of, like, shooting... Th- like, you have to understand what your what the medium is. It's so fun. And then it's so weird when you see it when it's not 3D. Like, I watched Jaws 3D uh-huh. recently and just watching Jaws 3D without the 3D is really just... Mm-hmm. You know, because it is a lot of, like, let me get that bottle of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching Coming At You without yeah. 3D. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the point? Actually, yeah. Uh, uh, I just was watching an episode of Better Call Saul and they had a great joke in there where uh, Saul comes home to, oh, well, you know, the Jimmy comes home to his uh, wife, not his wife, his, his living girlfriend. 
He goes, so what do you want to watch tonight? I mean, they've been looking at the TV guy. There's a couple of things. One, uh, they're showing uh, uh, the Maltese Falcon without any commercials. And then on another station, they're showing Jaws 3 with commercials. So it's kind of a real Sophie's Choice here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, I am curious, though, like, maybe this is me going in too deep. Maybe this is me, like, going in too deep into, like, Richard Lester trying to subvert ideas of the Three Musketeers. But I was thinking, like, is there... Am I crazy for thinking there's any sort of a connection between, like, these guys being musketeers, holding guns, it being a job where you're supposed to hold a gun, and how much Richard Lester just bags on the idea of guns the whole way through, how they're so slow, how they don't work, how there's, like, that scene at the beginning of, of the oh, yeah, fourth uh-huh. one where they're trying to even execute somebody and it's not working. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You damn fools! Can't you even shoot a man? Reload. Why bother? I may die of old age. Like, I was sort of like, if this whole job title is about having guns and guns are dumb, is this his really roundabout way of being like, this whole job is dumb? Well, at that time, guns were kind of dumb. Right? I mean, they were primitive Uh or more primitive than they are now. Like, anything that you have to, like, you know... Uh, drop drop your powder in, and then a wad, and then a, or then a ball, then a wad, and you know, stab it down, and then get your wick in, and like light it, and then aim. It's and not then well, that, you literally described the joke of the innkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the joke. Well, but there's something. But I mean, that that tells you right there, like when you have to go through all of that to bang shoot somebody who's coming yeah. at you, running at you. It's not romantic. It's better to pick yeah. up a sword. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, and I, it's not romantic. And I, you're right. I, I, and maybe that's what Lester is. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah. I think it's more window dressing than foundation setting uh, pillar. <laughs> I mean, they, right. do, they do eventually get into their war right. scene. I, mean, yeah. you eventually I think have it's our, more our emphasizing swords because it's, yeah. they're, they're jumping off of the whole swashbuckler yes. thing. Yeah. But I think it's, it, it, but it is window dressing. It's there throughout. It is there throughout. It's there throughout. It's there throughout. And maybe it's, it's there, there for people who are watching and going, why do they use a gun? It'll be so much easier to gun. You're like, well, it's not that easy. There you go. I mean, because the sword fights in this are, uh, yeah, you know, are they are as the, demonstrated by the innkeeper. Yeah. It's not so easy. Well, it's not, back then. Very hard, uh, you know, to, to be on the top. Who of it, is like still? Oh, who is in his own movie? Even there, he's in his own movie, like doing like slaps. Well, like, he's, yeah. he's he's the George. The, C, yeah. He's what George he's, C. Scott is. All right, in Cross Swords is the, the yes. innkeeper. Yeah, exactly. Because George C. Scott is completely in oh, his own yeah. movie. George C. Scott. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to do this. in your experience, both of your experiences like when you have an actor that makes a choice like that that you're like all right well this is like you as a director you have to realize well they're doing their own thing or it's a little different yeah look it's but well no the two movies aren't different but uh, it's different the the way you're posing the question because like in both cases Spike Mulligan, Mulligan is very well known in for, in British comedy. Yeah, he's doing British squad comedy. Yeah, and exactly. we're coming up. That's, that's exactly the reason people go to the movies is to right, see yeah. him do what he's doing right yeah. there. So it's like you know, so it's like oh, I've got Spike Mulligan coming in here. No, he's going to have a wide berth 
to do his, his thing. Yeah. And I actually think it's all, it's all seems very script based. Yeah. Uh, it it know, doesn't yeah. seem like he's well, like, and also yeah. Richard Lester having like, you know, shot the Beatles and made movies yeah. like this. He knows enough and, and shooting, uh, he's worked with every British actor. He's worked with every British actor in the British with yeah. comedy. Yeah. You, you, with comedy, you know, you have to step back and catch it. You can't yeah. like push your cinema right. on yeah. it. You know, you, yeah. you, you but stand back and you let it happen. But Spike Mulligan coming in and doing his bit is really actually no different than George C. Scott showing up in Cross Swords doing his Fagin bit that lasts for about 15 minutes. Right. All right. You know, so if, if you've got if I've got Sam Jackson going to come in to do a 15-minute special guest star bit, no, it's all built around Sam Jackson. Right. This is not about him fitting into my mosaic fabric. Right. No, it's a star turn. He's coming in to this do a star a, yeah. turn. And for everything yeah. I'm saying about Spike Mulligan, he's not that far askew of the rest of the movie. He's No, but he's in no, he's in his own movie. No, you were right the first time. He, he, well, he's he in, is his, in own his own movie. movie, but he's not that far no, like it's astray. Not, it's not a... <laughs> no, but he wrestles the... It's, the narrative's about him. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, you get like your eyes off him, I mean, you're like, yeah, you're just like you're ready to go, and it's like he, like, I mean, he's doing that scene where he's the, playing the realtor, and it's like you're just watching him just do his own the stairway, the stairway, the stairway makes <laughs> yeah. me laugh. See the beautiful thing of the city, and what I love about that moment with the city is he, he takes out this telescope, uh, or like it's a, an old fashioned thing where it's a, a periscope, a periscope, periscope. Per, where he takes out the periscope, and he really. Through the, there's like uh, you know the scenes going on. He's really like looking at the city. It's not like a quick throwaway joke. Like he really is up there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Like he just stays yeah, you have a wonderful very, view. Yeah, <laughs> he stays there for a bit. Um, but yeah, this has been fascinating to talk to you too. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, we're fans of your podcast. So to come on and talk to you about these movies, and our and sister podcast, this is it, a sister podcast, all part of the Norman Lear we're family of on, shows. We're all on the same night. Come and watch us back to back. Or what blackout happens on your show will happen on our show as well are the, we the four musketeers this is oh there we are oh, look at that yes. well, can't oh, wow. yeah there it is right. the four musketeers uh well i mean i think this is a good uh, good place to say, yeah yeah uh, do you guys want to hear a criticism about this movie yes please. from when it yeah, came absolutely. out at the time oh wow well, i thought you were gonna say a criticism oh, no, this is i don't care what those assholes uh, think well, uh, it depends, it depends. you know who, did who not, said it you know it's who famously did not like sound. four Roger Ebert. Actually, Roger Ebert really? did not like four. Really? Uh, Roger Ebert really wrote a scathing review of four. He's like, I, he goes, I watched this movie. I read the, I, he goes, I, I he read the soft. book. He yeah. was soft. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what happened. They tell me what happened. I guess I have to buy it. I but want like, it to be rollicking. I want it to be fun. I want it to be like the well, first film. what did he film. say? Stop, let him say what he said. <laughs> here, I'll, 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 Amy, you read this. <laughs> and I'll talk about it. Well, this is a criticism Can't from three. This the is darkness. a criticism that Sight and Sound wrote about three. They said, Lester chooses to treat the entire title as comic, undercutting even the English lord's love for the queen. A consciously absurd visual image like the secret shine which the duke has built in homage to his divinity, the queen, makes it nearly impossible to care if the queen's reputation and peace in the world can ever be saved. If we must give up our legitimate concern for the queen, if the king and Richelieu and Milady Axis cannot be taken as a serious threat by anybody, if even Constance and D'Artagnan are more lustily anxious than romantic, we're still carried along by the film's furious pace, and what is taken away is at least partially returned to us by some audaciously fresh comedy. I think I read that really weird, but basically like a he was... a backhanded compliment. Yeah, almost. Richard Lester should have taken the love story a little more seriously. Or he was he Well, was sad you know, I don't know if it's exactly saying that. It's saying he didn't. It's saying, uh, you know, did. it's saying he didn't. And he's saying that that is a questionable choice as the viewer, but ultimately, maybe yeah, it, it all works. came out in the it, wash. It all works. It's still... What was the final sentence there? Uh... 
it is at least what is taken away is at least partially returned to us by some audaciously fresh comedy. And I would see but, audaciously. I mean, so but, it's, but, it's yeah, but, I, but I would compliment. also, say, but I would also say, look, uh, you know, uh, any Brit- any British publication is going to be in particularly rough when it comes to Richard Lester, just like they're going to be in particularly rough when it comes to Kevin Russell. Yeah. They're, 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 they're there to tear down. Yeah. Cinema. (laughs) The directors, he he was considered Brit, even though he's an American, he was considered British by that time, by them. All right. And so they're there to tear down their directors. I mean, it does kind of feel like that's still a thing that happens, that there's like critics or there's like directors who are on the critical, we will go very hard on you list. But but Britain is in particularly oh, they like famous to, for uh, it. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've read positive and negative reviews about my work everywhere. I cried when the British <laughs> wrote a negative <laughs> review about it. It was like they turned the knife, oh. man. They like they stab you and then they turn it. <laughs> it, was, it was intense. All right, so this is Roger Ebert talking about four. Gives it two stars. Says, we get particularly tired if we try to make complete sense of the plot. I saw the movie, I read the synopsis, and I still have to take 20th Century Fox's word about what happens in the picture. The comings and goings, the confrontations and coincidences, some come so quickly and seem to be so much on the same level of relative importance that after a while, uh, I just have trouble keeping the characters straight. Still, the movie does have a slick surface, simple linear diversion, and it should play well on television where the commercials (laughs) will conceal its lack of continuity by providing some uh, more of their own. Uh, you know, and it goes on and then it goes on. It doesn't really even mention Faye Dunaway at all. Uh, and, you know, and that that was uh, it's interesting that they. His review- okay, well, OK, well, let me OK, let me yeah. counteract some yeah. these, Def- defend these, him a little. these reviews a little bit <laughs> to just say uh, 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 one of my final takeaways on the film that I kind of thought about when I was thinking about. I made it a point not to think about what we were going to talk about. Yeah. You know, but I did have one thing that, that I did want to say, and it, it's because. It's one of those things where, you know, you you see a movie, if you, you like a movie like I like this one, you know, you, maybe you see it like seven times over the course of your life, you know, mm-hmm. once every, maybe like the last time I saw it was five years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember the last time I saw it, I saw it with Uma's kids, all right, they were staying in the weekend here, you know, we watched it together and they had never seen it. And you saw this in theaters as well, Oh, of course right? I saw like, it when yeah, it came like out. I yeah, I saw yeah. this. Yeah. Theaters. I think I saw it on the re-release, though. It might like was it re-released in 1975? Because I saw both of them. They in kept very re-releasing close proximity. it. Yeah. They kept re-releasing yeah. it. They released one, then they released uh, four Musketeers, then they released them as a double feature. Yeah. Then three years later, they released them as a double feature. That again. was yeah, yeah, yeah. that was when I saw it. it was yeah, when yeah, it was yeah. released as a double feature because yeah. I saw it at the South Bay. And that's how I saw it too, actually. Uh, um, but the thing is, it's you know, uh, every time I uh, the, the least the last. Four times I've watched it. I have the same thought as I'm watching it every single solitary time. And then I forget about it. And then I have that thought again when I watch Mm. it again. And remember that I thought of this the last time I saw the film. As I'm watching the film, at some point in the course of the story, and I mean that in both movies, I don't know where, at some point in the course of the story, it's probably during Oliver Reed's there was a man story. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor man. <laughs> poor, poor dishonored man. Right. Uh, uh, poor dishonored uh, man. Uh, uh, um, Sad man. At some point, but even before that, actually, at some point, as I'm watching the movie, I'm watching Oliver Reed, I think, this is just one of the best performances I've ever seen in an action movie of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. I think this is just one of the great iconic 
action film performances. He's playing an iconic action hero that goes back hundreds of years. And it's just, it's a magnificent performance. It, it's just so full. You can't ever imagine anybody after you see Oliver Reed playing this character. And it's just, and it, it just has such weight. Leave now. Leave Paris, leave France. Get as far from that evil woman's grasp as you can. What about you? Oh, I shall be safe enough. She does not know that Oethos exists. But if you stay, your life is not going to be worth a sou's purchase. Do you understand that? It just has such weight and such meaning. And, um, and you're right. You don't have to agree with how he reacts to this or that or the other, but I'm carried along by his bull emotions. Exactly. Right. I, I don't have to agree with a bull, why a bull does what the bull does, but I'm still with the bull. Yeah, I think that there, like, it truly is, these performances carry you through. I want to see these characters. I wanted to go back to that world. I but want- I'm making a point about Oliver Reed. I know, as I know. good as everybody and, else is yes, in this, I'm making yes, a point yes. about and Oliver it, Reed. They're all rising. They're, they're all attempting to rise to his I level. I don't know. Everybody, uh, we're not all rising all boats right, right now. Yeah. But I don't want to shortchange my, Michael York just because he gets written as the big old dum-dum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great as the big old he's, dum-dum. He's terrific as the big old dum-dum. You know, early on, if I had any problem with the film, it might be, ah, uh, if I was gonna be, if, if, if I was gonna, if I was gonna be Pauline Kale about it, I would say, okay, maybe Michael York isn't the perfect casting mm-hmm. the way Faye Dunaway is perfect casting the way in his own way Charlton Heston is perfect casting the way Christopher Lee is perfect casting. Okay, maybe somebody a little bit more rubber limbed. All right, maybe a little bit more geared toward more comic performance, right. slightly more. But that's me being cunty, all yeah. right? You know, because he's really terrific. Yeah. I mean, maybe those things would have been better oh, I mean, with the right actor. Yeah. But Michael York fucking delivers. The ten-year-old really ten Roger that went and saw this yeah. film was coming off of Logan's Run yeah, yeah, and yeah. and uh, and other Michael York movies, and so. I, like to me, Michael York was a great D'Artagnan, and it's not. I even, think he's an amazing D'Artagnan. No, he is an right? amazing, he's, and, and, and and he's very realistic looking. Also, he's got yes. that kind of broken nose. Yeah, thing yeah, that, yeah. Like, he's got makes that him crazed look in his yeah. eye. Yeah. He just you want to you want to a rakish knave. He's like he's, a rakish yeah. knave. I think he's wonderful. Oh, well, I mean, one of the great lies because Michael York suggested <laughs> away, bumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, away, bumpkin. I want to just start saying that in real life. Away, <laughs> bumpkin. Yeah, that was Christopher <laughs> Lee, right? Yes, I love Christopher. Uh, <laughs> but you he's know, got but, like but an even saying that he, energy, he's like, I'm so excited that all my fans hate me. He's like, I showed yeah. up in this town, I got everybody's attention, everybody wants yeah. to fight me. Yeah. And you, and, and and that's even me being not respectful enough of what Michael York does comedy wise that actually really works. When he pulls out the sword to show the yeah. show yeah. the head of the musketeers, and it's just a broken piece of junk, and he holds it out, he pulls that off. That's a good yeah. gag, and he yeah. pulls it off. I mean, even that moment where he jumps out the window to go confront yeah, yeah. like, and he lands <laughs> on like, 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 like yeah. and that's such a great like again a Richard Lester moment. But like, mm. I, I yeah, you're right. Like, I, it, obviously there always could be a little uh, change, but like he, I really like, I really like these characters and I yeah but I wonder I mean like you watch this movie and you can see why Richard Lester makes so much sense and you can see why they're even thinking about this like years before as a vehicle for the Beatles like the mm, Beatles right. playing yeah, yeah, the yeah, Musketeers yeah, yeah. but which Beatle wow. would be who I was thinking the same thing I was like oh uh, well no uh, 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 Ringo would have to be D'Artagnan yeah. yeah that's Aww. why 
That's why Ringo is given. Ringo is the actor of the group. That's why right. they make him the lead. All right, right and right. help. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I, Ringo is my favorite Beatles. Yeah, yeah but who's too. Oliver Reed? Oh, really? Yeah, he's my favorite. Beatles. I think I'll, you'd have to go outside of the Beatles because you, you you need four, right? Like you do need four at a certain point. So who's going to be the four? How they, many Beatles do you think there are? Oh my gosh! Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, it was the fat eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait. So yeah. So wait. I'm trying to think of how, how it all breaks down. Sorry. I got, I got like a, I had a well, brain. Well, uh, Oliver Reed. He's he would. Well, be, Peter Torque would be uh, Aramis. Uh, <laughs> Michael Nesmith definitely is paid. George would have to be the priest, right? Right. The the ladies' man. Mm. Mm, like no, that should be Paul. Really? Yeah. The priest? Yeah, well, the, pri- the ladies' man. Is yeah. He's yeah. more of a ladies' man than I think of. So, the I priest think George is Har- so George Harrison would be Portos then, right? Or is he Oliver Reed? I mean, because think about it. He's, no, he's no, no. The, John Lennon the... has to be Aramis. All right. Yeah, he's yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the mournful one. Yeah. I could actually yeah. even see him giving that yeah. monologue, frankly. Yeah. I could see him giving the poor man monologue, yeah. John Lennon, yeah. and like committing to it, actually. Wait, you mean Athos? Athos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh yeah. I can see that. Put Fraser always said that he <laughs> thought Aramis was the worst character. <laughs> he what? hated it. Uh, Fraser said that when he was writing this, he thought Aramis was the worst character. That nobody likes him. He's just serious and annoying. <laughs> Not the way they yeah. portray him in yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. No, he steals the show. Well, okay, guys. Th- thanks so yeah. much. This is uh, fantastic to have you uh, on our show and uh, listen to uh, video. Coming Ar- live yeah. from the video arcades. Video of the Hollywood Hills, we bring you Unspooled. Peter, Peter. Thank you, guys. That was a blast. That was so fun. Thank you, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. You can check out their show, Video Archives Podcast, which is produced and engineered by our team. That's right. Uh, Josh Richman and Devin Bryant, they do an amazing job. That podcast is so much fun. If you are a film geek, if you are just a lover of great conversation, you will love that podcast. A big, big thank you to Josh for merging us together, for creating this moment where we could sit and talk about Richard Lester and geek out about all things uh, film. So if you like our show, I think you'll love their show. And uh, next week, we are going to be continuing our series about heroes and villains, but you know what? We're making a, a strong detour, right? We're coming off of Faye Dunaway. How do we top Faye Dunaway? Who's a bigger villain? Well, I think there's one boogeyman in cinema that really takes the cake, and it's not Freddy Krueger, and it's not Jason Voorhees. No, no, no. It is Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Take a listen to the trailer. A look that led to an evening. We were attracted to each other at the party. That was obvious. You're on your own for the night. That's also obvious. A mistake he'd regret all his life. Now, where's your wife? Daddy! Honey, oh, got it. And you're here with a strange girl being a naughty boy. I don't think having dinner with anybody's a crime. I've got to see you. This is going to stop. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on. She keeps calling the apartment. Hello? Every time Beth answers the phone, she hangs up. I'm scared, Jimmy. You play fair with me? Do you have an affair with her? I'll play fair with you. I don't want to lose my family. How could you do that? Are you scared of me, are you? You're afraid. Gutless, heartless, spineless. If you ever come near my family again, I'll kill you. You understand? Daddy! I'm not going to be ignored. Alicia, where's Ellen? She's gone. 
Boy, I've never seen this movie, and I am so excited to because I know so much about it, but I really don't know anything that it's about, if that makes sense. So I'm excited to go back and check out this film that felt very adult for me when it did come out, and to see this performance that everyone references, but I'm not sure everyone really knows. It's, is it like that meme of Robert Redford where he just kind of tips his hat? Is it one of those things where we just know about the bunny? And if you don't know about the bunny, I'm not going to spoil the bunny for you. But suffice it to say, there is a bunny and a pivotal moment with a bunny. We all know. We have to know, right? Okay. Anyway, tune in next week and a big shout out and thank you to our amazing Unspooled team. That's right. The people who put together this show every week. I am talking about Josh Richmond, Devin Bryant, Molly Reynolds. I'm talking about Ryan. I'm talking about Jacob, our intern who's cutting together these amazing video pieces. Everybody at Earwolf, make sure you listen to old episodes of Unspooled. They are available for you on the Stitcher app, commercial free. And if you'd like to listen to that, just go to stitcher.com, sign up, get a 30-day free trial. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You can listen to where we all started. I've forgotten where we all started. All I know is that we made a shit ton of edits and corrections and cuts to our Citizen Kane episode. And uh, I don't know if it holds up. Maybe it does. We should go back and reevaluate it. Anyway, you can also check out all of our unspooled merch if you go to tpublic.com. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash unspooled. Check out what we got in store, literally, right there. And stay tuned for more exciting announcements. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. And if you want to see me live, I'll be performing with How Did This Get Made all summer long. Just go to hdtgm.com. We are virtual. We are on the road. And you can find out how to get tickets for all the good things that we are doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Chicago, we're coming for you with Morbius. Also, Houston and Indianapolis, Detroit. We're, We're on the road. Come check us out. It's a lot of fun. Me, June Diane Raphael, and Jason Manzoukas. But that's a different show, and you know our very complex history. Uh, all right, we'll see you next week for Fatal Attraction. That's all for Unspooled. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... 
Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.